Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center Podcast Feed, and this particular episode is a deep dive, a Bakta tank of talk. This is probably going to be a big episode, so maybe a Bakta swimming pool of talk. We are going to discuss the great new Star Wars book, The Princess and the Scoundrel by Beth Revis. I'm very excited. Also, I'm Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm Ken Napsack. I'm excited too. I am a little, we're going to talk about diving into open waters. Uh, not one of my favorite things, uh, you know, but I would, I would pop in a back to tank, but yeah, this is a lot of fluid, a lot of fluid flowing uh, there on a, on a nice planet. So. There were a lot of fluids in this fluids. book. That's a great way to start a review. Uh, we'll start with doing the fluid count. How, how many meters, how, measures, whatever measurements you want to use. How many yeah. cubic somethings of fluid was in this book? Who yeah. knows? Anyway, getting away from that, we want to let you know that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. This week, this episode, we are recommending the book we're about to talk about, The Princess and the Scoundrel by Beth Revis. If you want to pause this review, go listen to the book. You can do that by downloading your free audiobook day going to audibletrial.com slash center one more time that's audibletrial.com slash center for your free audio book all right we are going to get into discussing this but as always we want to let you know that there are full spoilers ken do you want to make a, a warning sound of your choice uh that's what a warning sound sounds like in icy frigid water right yes it does you need some of that uh, drink to burn your throat out (laughs) underwater alarms full for full spoilers we are going to talk about all of the book everything in it so if you have not read it or listened to it yet and want to there's your warning ken what was your big reaction to the princess and the scoundrel do you love it like it struggle with it uh what was it and why Oh, man, I had a big smile on my face the entire time. I know, it's not shocking for me. You know I love my Star Wars here. Uh, there, We're going to talk about some of the cynicism that existed uh, going into this book's release and even maybe some that still exists now. But it's Han and Leia. These are two of my all-time favorite characters. That's almost a given, based especially on the generation that you and I both came up with with Star Wars. But uh, I just uh, had that big, big smile all over my face uh, in a lot of different uh, parts of the book. Uh, so that's kind of my topic sentence and more to follow. Yeah, I, same thing for me. Uh, this is one of my very favorite Star Wars novels. Um, mm-hmm. I think it is, it's different in many ways than some of the novels that we've been getting lately, all of which mm-hmm. I have enjoyed to varying degrees. Um, yeah. But what I particularly loved about this is I feel like just like uh, Rebel Rising, the previous book by by Beth Revis, uh, really detailing uh, Jyn Erso's life story, 
uh, in between the scenes that we see her in in Rogue One, from being picked mm-hmm. up by Saw to uh, being picked up by the Rebellion, uh, it really nails the characters. It, it makes them feel uh, so lifelike, um, while also still feeling kind of larger than life at the same time, kind of big mm-hmm. and, and mythic, uh, but also utterly relatable and utterly real. Uh, it so nails the characters of Han and Leia and uh, at the beginning of the book, uh, Luke and Lando and the Ewoks that starting this book in, in particular just really felt like Return of the Jedi just kept rolling. <laughs> yeah. You know, that was the power of it to me. So picking up on all of the ideas, the big picture and the characters where they're at individually. Uh, mm. So it, it felt very cinematic, but it gave all that additional internal insight that a written story can uh, to the characters. Um, mm. Another big picture thing that that I really, really enjoyed is we've had a lot of wonderful Star Wars books that I have enjoyed that have featured multiple, multiple perspectives, even kind of chapter from chapter, jumping around from story to story. In particular, mm. the High Republic is great, but it, it tries to show us the perspective uh, of lots and lots of characters. And it was a really fun and rewarding read for me uh, that this book is a limited number of perspectives. It's Han and Leia, and we just stay with them, right? So that gives the book uh, this forward movement um, that Mm -hmm. really makes it feel like Star Wars to me. It makes it feel like... um, an adventure serial. There's this forward momentum. You really want to turn the page to, to see what happens next. And, and I feel that way about the other books, but sometimes I have mm-hmm. that experience where like, I'm loving this character. I love this character the most. And then there's that little bit of reboot and restart when you get mm-hmm. to another character's perspective. And this was just like, it grabbed me and it went. No, I love what you're saying there because uh, nothing against the other books. So I love it. And I love, you know, 12 point of view characters. Give me, give me, give me. But uh, this this one, it just worked. It just was right. You know, uh, you could have had a chapter of Lando, maybe his view of the wedding could have gone into <laughs> low gray's point of view. I don't know. But yeah. I just PO's like anger. PO's anger. It was streamlined, right? It was streamlined. And I think it needed it for these two characters. Again, Han and Leia. This is Han and Leia we're talking about. So it just kind of worked. Just kind of work to help uh, move along. Like you said it was um it was once you kind of realize that's probably what's going to happen four or five chapters in. We're like, oh, we're we're just ping ponging back and forth, Han and Leia. I don't know. It just I I relaxed and just was able to just read the book uh, in in a very uh, easy, warm fashion. Yeah, and it was I just think very well written. So obviously, specific beats are chosen that we can be illuminated by seeing them through Han's eyes or Leia's eyes. But then there's there's a lot of the book where they are together and you are mm-hmm. you feel like you're both getting their individual perspective but also like the story is just moving forward right uh, yeah. so it just had that momentum i also just think this was such a great way to do it to just uh, flip chapters right because mm-hmm. we got this insight into han and leia where we could see their love uh, their closeness their you know longing for one another uh their frustration while also having these these you know chapter exchanges that are almost this almost comic level of but here's where the, where they are different in mm-hmm. demonstrating not only the closeness but the gulf you know right. uh, there's that the chapter around when um leia is in the uh, room of, of the ship that simulates the environment of where they're mm-hmm. headed and is 
you know, wrestling with the force and Vader and trying to move rocks and going through all this stuff. And like Han's just kind of angrily eating pie. <laughs> You've just been in him and he just kind of grumble, grumble. I want to be alone with my wife, pie. And yeah. then he walks into Leia's a, a little bit more complicated reality. Mm-hmm. And the the way the chapters are are done lets you celebrate this great sort of, they are very different. They're star-crossed lovers. So it lets us celebrate the differences between them and the deep love and connection. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, that's that, it was very effective in that way. This is, again, the time I wanted to to spend with them on these characters on, uh, you know. And here's the thing. We we get into some some action. We got a, a third act kind of finale for the story that kind of emerges here. You could have removed all of that and just had like a six-part Disney Plus documentary series, The Princess and the Scoundrel. And I just would have <laughs> taken that in, you know. Just one of those like, here's a snapshot of these two Famous people at this time in their life, three days on a ship. And I would have been like, ah, oh, this is great. This is great. Yeah. I mean, that this the whole book could have just been the remodeling of the Falcon, right? Yeah. The interior yeah. decorating of the Falcon because it was mm. so wonderful to spend the time with the characters. Yeah. I, I really noticed that about halfway through the book of like, normally I'm a little anxious for there to be action because I feel like that is right. a part of the adventure serial roots of Star Wars. And I was like, wow, I am so engaged and there hasn't been a lot of action yet, you know? There was a point. There was a point. I, this is 100% true. When when you started to see action forming, and I was like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> just, <laughs> just go back to dinner or something like that. Talk more about your feelings. Eat more yeah. pie. Um, <laughs> two other quick things uh, that I wanted sure. to be sure to shout out in overall reaction. Uh, these were phenomenal chapter closes. Um, mm. Beth Revis, in particular, is great at having sort of gut punch last lines of, of chapters that really summarize the idea of the chapter or the specific thing that that character is wrestling with. Uh, Mm -hmm. Sometimes they have a little bit of a cliffhanger vibe. uh, But in general, I just really wanted to compliment that because there are so many uh, chapter closes that I just wanted to write down in terms of just the writing prowess to Mm -hmm. really say like, here are all the ideas. Here's what's circling. Now, bam, here's how Han feels about it. Right. And it, it it's really just sort of admirable in and of itself, but it also propels you to the next chapter to see what the next concrete emotional gut punch conclusion is going to be. Yeah, uh, well said. Because I, 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 as much as I love reading books, and uh, was a you know second grade, I think I won reading awards. I, I, I just sometimes <laughs> you know I have a pencil that says I read well. Um, uh, I, I, I get, I get a little distracted. I get a little bored with any kind of book. This is not just Star Wars. I just have this thing that's developed over my years. Uh, it's just like, I, all right, cool. 20 pages. I need to go do something. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I had stopped reading this book. Um, we had talked about it. We, you and I had this book so far out from our review. I re- ripped through a hundred pages. Then it was like, I don't know. My homework's not due tomorrow. I'm not going to read it. When I picked it back up, I had a little bit of that rush. Like, oh gosh, how am I going to do this? I got, I got like 250 pages in like two days. I got to do here. Cause I, life took me in other directions it was so easy to read because of what you're describing too uh and i can make jokes about myself and my dumb brain needs this but it's not about that it's just it was such a smooth style i didn't need to put the book down yeah right uh i read it in basically two two sittings like i read the Mm -hmm. for i i I picked it up uh, on a saturday morning uh just to kind of see what the vibe was and i read a hundred (laughs) pages Yeah, some yeah. of them just standing around in the kitchen, uh, and then uh, I read the rest of it. Just set aside a day and read the rest of it, and you know it, it really moves, which is great. Uh, last overall thing that I wanted to uh, talk about and ask you about is, I felt like obviously this is called Princess and the Scoundrel. It's about their wedding and the honeymoon. Uh, they're in each other's arms on the cover, 
Mm-hmm. I felt in general like this was a, you know, romantic and sex positive book. We got their longing for each other. It mm-hmm. didn't, you know, <laughs> uh, the, the chapters moved away as the full intimacy began. <laughs> the you know? cameras so, panned, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it, it wasn't a space bodice ripper uh, by any means, <laughs> but it still had that absolute uh, mm-hmm. sense of uh, romance and sexuality and sex positivity. Um, and there's been a lot of d- discussion that I've seen uh, about how genre films in particular They still have people who are in love, but they've some of the filmmaking style has moved away from, frankly, just like people being in the throes of desire. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, uh, How do you feel about uh, sort of sexuality, sex positives, uh, natures uh, of storytelling's place in Star Wars? And did you feel it worked in this book? This one, yeah, it definitely worked because this is one of the great love stories of our time. Right. Especially Mm -hmm. if you came of age in the 80s. This is the one you. You looked at a lot. Um, so I think it was definitely needed, and I think it delivered in that way, and, and in a Star Wars way. I mean, every once in a while, uh, sex does pop up. I'm thinking some of the uh, the aftermath stuff, right? Wasn't there two characters that uh, locked themselves in the back of a shuttle or something like that? Good job, Wick. Yeah. I, I remember that. So um, it has to be handled correctly. I also think as uh, as audiences um, demand more, and, and I mean that in a good way, and, and want a little bit more nuance or want to avoid tropes, I, I think, you know, if, if type of thing where I don't immediately need a character like Ray to need a love interest, right? If she mm-hmm. has works for the character, I think it's I, I like that kind of storytelling where we don't immediately need to go down tried and true paths unless uh, the characters want to, so to speak. These characters have these characters have made this choice. They shared some uh, of the best kisses in pop culture, so I think it all came together in a very realistic uh, way and. Uh, uh, from the sweetness of the wedding to Han just kind of, do we have to leave the suite? Like, come on, <laughs> like, it, was, it was all good and handled in 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 a, a in a Star Wars way. You know, it isn't other properties that uh, where the camera doesn't pan. The camera pans in Star Wars. The camera pans away, and uh, this did it. Uh, I thought it did it. It delivered. It did it right. Yeah, yeah. I think it just really celebrated the characters in the energy that is in the original trilogy. That there is a deep love uh, between these characters, and in it is this sort of fiery. We are drawn together. We are connected. We love one another. We are there for one another. We see one another. There are tender moments, but also you frustrate me and you excite me, and yeah, yeah. Uh, you know that passion, uh, that specific kind of passion. Uh, and I feel like I love that the book really embraced the those tender moments that were physical and those, uh, you know, moments of just excitement for one another, you know? Yeah. Um, so I, I thought it was great and, and, mm-hmm. and great to see uh, the, a full aspect of humanity uh, included in our space stories. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. All right. Yeah. Any other uh, big picture thoughts before we get into the big themes of the book? Yeah, I want to just address the 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 overall the the cynicism going in. We touched upon it here, and, and we understood we just when this book was announced, it, it's a you know halcyon space cruiser hotel that no one can afford to go to kind of thing, and and that I think was justifiable. The the hmm, raising one eyebrow, what do we got here? But for me personally, I, I remember we both discussed this. We both had this feeling hearing that Beth uh, Revis was writing it was was the hope that emerged for me of like it's going to be more than just simply commercial. We can debate, uh, you know, almost every Star Wars property is a commercial, right? I mean, this is, you know, where, where we're at with it. Uh, and, and I know to me, just was such a warm character study of these classic characters uh, at the key point in their lives, we're going to discuss this big turning of the chapter in their lives uh, where I think they're kind of leaving the classic hero phase and moving toward uh, not just what we get later on, but um, 
who they become. Um, but mm-hmm. so that to me, the, the time on the house scene was, was, was fun and it was not a distracting part of the story for me. That might not be for everyone, but it was not unlike the, the book of on Batu by Delilah S. Dawson, uh, we, which, which we both love. Uh, we're talking about the, the themes and, and stuff that are going to emerge. But I, th- I think personally, I almost get a little, would get a little uh, pushbacky on, on some of the critiques of this being a commercial after reading it. And if you focus on that, that's, I don't know, it's like getting rid of a Porsche because there's a chip in the paint job. It's just, there's so much more here. There's so much more here uh, and we'll get into it. And I think later on, I'll try to discuss that. I, I, I probably too much to say on the discussion around quote, showing both sides when it comes to the Galactic Civil War, because that's mm. something that emerged uh, right from the beginning of new, the new era of canon with Lost Stars. And I just always felt that that conversation got pushed down the wrong corridor, that it's not just simply about, hey, what do the stormtroopers feel about the Death Star? Or what do they feel you know, about the rebels? It's not about creating sympathy or understanding for the Empire. Uh, and, and here and in Rebel Rising, uh, Beth Revis does just an amazing job, particularly like the Saw Gerrera stuff comes to mind and who he was. It's about zooming in close, holding the line on what is right and wrong and exploring how people react to it all in, in story and what drives them to either side. So this book begins with Leia contemplating who was wearing the now empty stormtrooper helmets. And she, you know, um, she, it's not just about, uh, she, she can re- re- regret their deaths. It's not just about, you know, Oh, there's a human in there. It's it, she laments how they got to that point and who was that person in there and how they got to this point where they were going to kill me. And it's more, obviously more nuanced than just, yeah, show both sides, which I hear a lot. And it's just, uh, that's just a, such a tiny, tiny way to look at it. Yeah, I, I re- I'm really glad that you brought that up because there's a couple of great moments in this mm-hmm. book uh, when when Leia's handling all of the different people on the sort of uh, the welcome aboard party to the Halcyon and, mm-hmm. you know, having having some empathy for a, a mother whose child was on the Death Star, right? Yeah. Um, I think for me, the both sides thing is, uh, yeah, the, it's empathy for the people trapped in the machinery of the Empire. So to me, it's uh, the Empire is an authoritarian, horrible, government-oppressive system run by an evil space wizard who only mm-hmm. cares about himself and inflicts pain because uh, it makes him more powerful. Uh, there, there's not another... that That's not another side. So I think the empathy that we see from Leia is uh, Palpatine's empire has many victims, including people like the planet uh, of Madurs, who he are directly being attacked by the empire and then uh foot soldiers who ended up stormtroopers who were either forced into it uh you know because they had no other uh financial opportunities forced into it because they were absolutely lied to uh those stormtroopers some of them are probably true believers uh Mm -hmm. but some of them are also victims you know of the -hmm. tyranny of the empire and of palpatine yeah, that's yeah, and 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 that's right from the get go. That that's that's the first page is Leia like the the fires are burning, <laughs> the Ewoks are dancing, and that's where I was hooked. I, this book had me right from literally. I remember like talking to you about it off air like that. That was some of my favorite writing ever in Star Wars was just yeah. Leia looking at it. It wasn't just it wasn't a joke about oh those uh, meat eating Ewoks are playing stormtrooper helmets, right? You could just look at it like that. I mean, it was it was a realistic look at it. And I love what you're saying. Like this, it, 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 those those could have been victims as well. And and it's all about how we got there. It's not just the war. It's the years leading up to the war. And and yeah, I think a lot of it goes back. I always, like I love Clerks. I love Kevin Smith. But I think a lot of it comes out of that. Like, well, you know, there was contractors in the Death Star. The Rebels might be the bad guys type of jokey conversation. 
that sometimes just gets confused into an actual actual analysis of what was going on in this story because it's powerful for what goes on in our real world. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and I I really like the empathy for people who ended up in a bad situation. But in Leia's mind, there's no question of like, well, maybe we should hear Palpatine's side. Palpatine's side yeah. is destruction and pain and the domination of one overall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the, there's no gray area in, in Palpatine's perspective, um, yeah. which yeah. is ultimately the Empire's perspective. Uh, but there is empathy for the people trapped in that, in that situation. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, I also want to be be sure to uh, mention the cynicism thing, too. I think I have, uh, I don't even know how to describe it. It's not a thick mm-hmm. skin, a, a tired skin, a blasé skin. I don't mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe it's from growing up with, you know, hearing this about the Ewoks since 1983, right? Yeah. That they're just there for a commercial purpose. And Star Wars holds many tensions, uh, including... You know, uh, I've been making a joke recently about like, I love the Jedi because they don't care about personal possessions. They care about the connection between people, which is why I own hundreds of action figures of them. Um, mm-hmm. the, the fact that that Star Wars is commercial and is this big mythic story about what truly matters in life. That's always going to be a little bit of a of a tension. And it's just mm-hmm. a reality. Right. Yeah. Um, and what matters to me at the end of the day is. Is anything that is put in a Star Wars story that also happens to uh, help a current commercial capitalist venture, is it uh, stuck in there in a clumsy way that takes me out of the story and is just making me feel like I'm staring into the bald, grinning face of capitalism? (laughs) Yeah. Or is it uh, a, a true and deep part of the story where these ideas uh, have meaning to the story even if there were never any products associated with them right Mm -hmm. if george lucas had a ban on ewok merchandise uh the ewoks still have great meaning right and yeah we don't need to get into it because we've all talked about it a million times google ewoks Viet Cong, and treat yourself to some interviews uh with george (laughs) lucas uh and that's the way i felt about this book when it was announced Mm -hmm. i was like yep nope that could be clumsy we're dealing with uh han and leia Mm-hmm. they're they're wedding their honeymoon in modern canon you know that's a big deal it's hugely emotional uh, potentially and it could be clumsy to yeah. to kind of shove in this very modern thing that you know is actively being sold by a large corporation yeah. uh my reaction was if i didn't know that the disney star cruiser hotel experience was real uh, I would not know it from this book. Um, mm. it, it, it's so embedded into the ideas in this book. Uh, uh, we'll, we'll get into them, but this idea about joy, about taking time for yourself, about the journey versus the destination, about wanting to be able to uh, mm. celebrate uh, the galaxy, about the class system <laughs> mm-hmm. that you encounter on cruises, about uh, all of the attempts all the different ways the galaxy is trying to show that it can repair itself. It can heal from the trauma of the empire. Mm -hmm. Uh, The cruise ship, the space cruise ship is meaningful in the narrative. So it did not come off even remotely clumsy to me. I would have had Mm -hmm. no idea it was a quote unquote commercial. If I didn't have that real world knowledge, if I just read the book and didn't know, didn't have a star Wars podcast, maybe didn't hear about that hotel. I wouldn't know. 
Uh, yeah, you know, I, I yeah, I think there's only a couple times where I was like, oh, I wonder if you can find those initials carved in the wall. Uh, I guess you can. And oh, th- oh, we're allowing uh, cruise uh, cruise goers to go on the bridge. I bet that's connect. You know, like that's a couple of little moments. And you said it too. I, we, I don't want to take any. If anyone's just absolutely like, no, I reject this on principle and everything. I, I understand it. I really do. Uh, but this is. I don't know. I have, I have, uh, you kind of, you, 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 I know you're saying you had a hard time describing what you're feeling. Blase. I don't know. Thick skin. It's a good way to look at it. We came up with it in an era. You know, I was, I was getting back into the comics, uh, comic books in the early 2010s and around 2013. I was having a conversation, conversation with someone on, on an old Schmo's show and I, I won't say their name, but I, I just said something about, Oh, I'm excited. I'm getting back into comics. And they said, well, so, some of your favorite comics growing up. And I went, uh, look, I, you know, I didn't really go for super. I liked like GI Joe and transformers. And, and, and I kind of said, I know those were kind of quote toy books. And the person just looked at me and says, yeah, they were, I got news for you. You weren't really a comic fan. And that just sucked. <laughs> that just sucked. That's some gatekeeping. Cause Enjoyed all those things. And yeah, they might have started from the point of view of, hey, uh, Larry Hama, can can you make us some stories based on these toys we're going to sell? Mm-hmm. But man, they became something more than that to me. And uh, I think you need, you're right, this could have been bad. And there's been some of the comics, Galaxy's Edge comics, or either I know there's the Halcyon series and I'm poking through. They're solid, but they're not my favorite, right? I, I it, You feel it a little bit more. You have to judge it case by case basis. It's all I would ask. It's all I would ask. And if you read this and still come out on the other end, then that is your journey. And I'm not not here to take it away from you. Uh, I, I'm not going to gatekeep in any way, <laughs> either direction. Yeah. Uh, so it's, I, I really agree with you on that, on that take. Yeah. I mean, and, and I think you are wise to point out that it's subjective. I yeah. thought that the quality of the storytelling, the way that the the ship and the experience and the locations and the details was woven into the story. You know, I wasn't thinking when uh, Leia was in that simulation room, oh, I bet you can go there. Um, mm-hmm. I was thinking about her connection to the Force. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I was thinking about the idea of a, a, a space cruise ship that it can simulate the environment and serves the yeah. food. And what, what does that mean for the story? Um, but that was my personal experience. And if other people bump, then that's yeah. your your uh, your taste and Bump your away. experience. I will say that I did um, when I was reading this book. I was like, I got, I got to take a break to eat, and I can't physically eat a salad and read this book. <laughs> uh, so I want to watch something, and it's like, oh yeah, I haven't watched the uh, the Lego Summer Adventure, and it was kind of perfect because I forgot that the Lego Summer Adventure is also absolutely setting up and advertising uh, the Halcyon, yes, and that's is. and that's where I felt it a little bit. I didn't feel it in the book, but when I was like, oh, and now all these characters go to that room, so we know we can go to that room. I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. It is a concerted effort. Uh, across yeah. this large corporation that wants to tell meaningful, deep stories and also make money. It, it's yeah. it's a reality. Hey, it's a reality. It's a reality. You know, it's like when your favorite podcast runs ads, it's a reality. <laughs> That's what has to happen. Indeed. All right. Well, I'm sure we're going to re- revisit this a little bit more yeah. as we get into uh, the big themes and and did a cruise ship play into them or not? We're going to find out. <laughs> uh, are you ready to discuss the themes and the I big am. ideas, Ken? I am. I am. Uh, so for me, the biggest theme in this whole novel, this story is this idea of unification. Uh, the actual word is used uh, multiple times on a straightforward plot level. Uh, this story is literally the marriage the unification mm-hmm. of Leia and Han on a galactic level. It is this moment immediately after the shattering, the assumed and questioned shattering of the empire and the first stumbling steps to reunify the galaxy 
under a fledgling uh, new republic. Uh, then on a really kind of intimate, personal, internal level, it's Leia's struggle to unify all the parts of herself, all the potential paths in front of her in this moment. I think Han is also working to unify his past as a rogue and a scoundrel with his commitment to Leia and their shared future and his own thinking about, well, what's this new galaxy? What's this new possibility? So he's doing some unifying as well. I don't think it's as complex as Leia, but we can uh, we can discuss yeah. and debate that. Um, I pulled out a few quotes that I think really kind of underlined this idea of unification. Good. On page 130, uh, this is a Leia chapter, anxiety twisted inside her. Uh, he knew who she had been, but neither of them had really talked about who they wanted to become, how they wanted to grow and shift is a unified front rather than individually. Obviously, Leia thinking about the path forward of is uh, she and Han become a, a team and not just individuals. Uh, and then on page 99, this is uh, Captain Dicto of the Halcyon uh, at his sort of welcoming speech on this first voyage uh, where the company has taken the ship back uh, from the Empire. And Captain Dicto says, our stories have all met at this point here now. We are all a part of one another's shared journey tied together in this moment. Leia's breath caught. The captain's words reminded her sharply of her own thoughts when she accepted Han's marriage proposal. So those are just two examples. Uh, flip to a, a page and you will probably find an example of these ideas of unification. So Ken, did this overall theme of unification make sense to you? Did it resonate? What was powerful about it? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I, I absolutely. Um, God, yeah, and we're gonna talk about it. I'm sure, but that the the great tree on Endor is a great example mm, of uh, mm -hmm. of that too, where it kind of started to sink in for me. I think what was what was most powerful about it was how uh, it just kind of looked at the the galaxy galaxy uh, following the post fall of the Empire for me. And, and I've been on this uh, this train for a bit. If, if if you end Return of the Jedi and that's it, you're fine. Fairy tale ending, all is well. And, and I think some of the EU dealt with that, uh, with that continued fallout. I mean, Thrawn himself mm -hmm. is a big example of that, right? Five years later, there's this, the Empire still exists. He's been out doing other things and then he's back. But I think the modern era has just done a better job of looking at what actually happens. And the, and the unifying, you know, after that is so, it's such a, it's such a key thing there. It, it's not just about a grand admiral thinking we still got this. It's a, you know, like you talk about, it's about a rich family saying, my son died on that Death Star. It's a, it's a hero's not getting rest in real life being pushed aside or rushed. It's, it's a new government trying to convince people they're actually the new government. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, forget about a, an imperial station breaking apart a moon. Uh, Maduro's uh, doesn't want to be part of another government system selling them the promise of safety because like, no, nah, that's all right. K, th K, thanks. Bye. Like all of that kind of how do you build from that how do you unify from that so it was a very real re realistic look at unification that comes from uh that kind of change and also from the declarations of love right i mean that's a that's a mm -hmm. big one it's at the center of this there um so i don't know I, I i i just really love what she did with that and we know where han and leia go we know where we pick it up in episode seven and I've mm -hmm. always personally been a fan of that i know some people don't but this shows that these uh tr these two characters truly become unified uh, you see where the stress points are. You see where maybe this is going to cause problems later, later, but it drives on the fact that no matter the state of their marriage, no matter what it might've been legally on paper, you know, I filed the separation paperwork, Han, Han's on the Irvana, like doesn't matter to me. Uh, the love is there. The, the unification is solid. That never changed. That never changes. And it just lays kind of a hopeful unifying groundwork. So there's that word unifying and it, uh, yeah. yeah, struck a chord. 
I love everything you're saying, and we can have the the canon debate. I do not think that Han and Leia are space divorce. I think they're space separated. I yes. don't think there's any yes. paperwork. I didn't think. I don't think they went back to Endor. <laughs> Chief uh, is Chief Trooper here. We need him to sign something. Yeah, I don't think that. I don't think Leia, you know, dispatched uh, Colonel Emat uh, to mm-hmm. the Irvana with paperwork. No, I, they, they just their their yeah. heart was broken, and they yeah. they were both struggling to find a way forward. It wasn't about one another. It was about this this moment of yeah of really agree they probably would have been stronger together but they were both too heartbroken right there's no mm-hmm. love lost between them uh yeah. they, they are clearly still in love in the force awakens deeply you know yeah yeah to me anyway uh but i really agree with what you're saying i think that's what i really liked about the theme of unification and the fact that it went all these layers deep from from leia and han's internal world to their marriage to the galaxy so much of this was about you know the galaxy yeah. um and what I really like, really like about it is that such a huge theme of Star Wars is, uh, you know, stronger together, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, let, let's work together. It, it, we're, we're all connected anyway. We're all uh, symbionts with one another. So let's all work together for the greater good for everybody. Um, and I think these are things that we hear, uh, at least I think you and I did just culturally growing up, right? Yeah. These are Sesame Street lessons. These are kindergarten lessons, right, of uh play with others, uh, you know, work well with others, uh, bumper sticker things of, you know, mm-hmm. uh, don't fight yourself, be your whole self. And we can all nod and go, cool, great. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Those things are challenging because all of these things get in the way, right? Uh, mm-hmm. uh, fear, doubt, um, actual different needs, right? It, it's great to say, let's all come together. But then you run into a thing where like, well, but these two planets, these two cultures actually do need different things. So they have to find a way to compromise. Uh, these two people, Han and Leia, love each other, but they do actually have different needs. So they have to find a way uh, to to compromise. Um, you go to that internal level and like, well, there's, I'm only alive for so long. I have limited time to explore the five paths in front of me. Uh, that's that's a challenge to unifying yourself, right? So yeah. I feel like what the book does, and what what you said so elo- eloquently, Ken, is it it takes this big picture lesson that I think culturally we all kind of nod along and agree with, and mm-hmm. it lays out all the challenges of finding that unification and yeah. watching uh, characters, communities overcome the fear, the doubt, the legitimate differences, the legitimate concerns to find moments of being truly stronger together. Yeah. Yeah. Groundwork framework, whatever you want to say. Yeah. Absolutely. Love that. And, and just, it, it, I, I, to the point of, I'm sure it's probably annoying because I say it so many times, I just, I'm obsessed with this idea. Uh, the morning, uh, the morning comes on Endor, the, the celebration's over and, and, and the shattered empire comic picks up even quicker. Right. And, and this book references it. Um, I, I love that. I love that we get to go on. I love that the lessons there. I love that JJ's like, hey, what if the neo-Nazis came back? We're going to deal with that. Uh, we're going to deal with these kind of repeating themes of evil and this and that. And 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 this is, I, 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 it's a space fantasy. They're on a hotel, flying hotel. But you're dealing with something just so realistically. And I think I think Beth Revis is, is absolutely become, uh, you know, probably already was, but has become one of my favorite Star Wars writers. Just dealing with the complications of it all, dealing with the girl, uh, Jin, on her own, being raised by a warrior who's got s- such a right heart, but just goes about it in a wrong, complicated way. It's all realistic. And how do we all get to one point? Yeah. 
Yeah, and, and I think for me, the fact that it was just so multi-layered, mm-hmm. and you could see the way the layers interact, and you can even see the the, the different people's perspective. Uh, that's what you know. I said at the top, this is probably one of my favorite Star Wars novels. It's it's the quality time with Han and Leia. It's the amazing. Like I can hear Harrison mm-hmm. Ford and Carrie Fisher delivering yep. these lines. Their fight on the ship was like, oh, it, it, it it's perfect. Um, but it's also just like that every page has these great insights that that go to these themes or that that um a little passage on page uh, 214 i didn't write it down but han's just kind of sitting there thinking like eh, i kind of understand if you're a self-sufficient world you don't need to be a part of a bigger government why don't they just leave you alone uh, i can kind of respect that and you can see like roguish do it for himself han solo kind of being like yeah, I'm, I, know, I know my wife really wants to bring these people into the New Republic, <laughs> but I'd kind of understand if they told her to <laughs> yeah, take yeah. a flying leap, you know, and that's this like mm-hmm. perfect picture of like, okay, you can see Han's lived experience. You can see yeah. that perspective of, of the distrust that a place like Maduris ha- might have, you know, mm-hmm. and that's the thing that makes it feel real and lived in and not just like, oh, somebody waltzed in and said stronger together together and everybody's like you're right let's stop fighting and sing a song together it presents the real <laughs> challenges of getting to be stronger together yeah and look i want i i really want my art to say something and this book has a lot to say about art being important uh and it doesn't mean i don't enjoy a reality-based clip show on discovery plus you know it doesn't mean i don't sit down and just want to listen to a pop song uh, but I really want my Star Wars as as simple and direct and fantasy as it is. I, I do want it to say something. This book just says a lot in a very realistic way. And that's where I really enjoyed Beth's uh, writing. It does. It does. So let's get into some more of these ideas of unification. Uh, I, I want to talk about Leia. So how did you feel about Leia being pulled in in all these different directions. I, I wrote down what I feel like a, a couple of them are. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, she wants the personal joy of her relationship to Han. She wants this this private uh, you know chance at happiness. Uh, she is also feeling the call in familiarity of duty. Right. She wants to keep working for the New Republic. Uh, she knows uh, she has this public face as a diplomat, as an ambassador, as a princess. Uh, at one point, she really reflects on her comfort being a soldier. Uh, she's kind of, uh, you know, trying to find her place the entire book. And she's like, ah, I'm in a war room planning a battle for tomorrow. OK, I'm home. Uh, and then throughout the entire book, her curiosity and ambivalence about her connection to the force and the offer to train uh with luke her identity is even divided when it comes to the different people who want to assassinate her (laughs) she can't even be unified in that Uh, there are imperials who want to kill her huts who want to kill her opportunists who want to kill her 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 identity and her power as an individual is so diversified that there are even people who want to kill her for entirely different reasons uh so how do you feel about this that being such a big part of the book of, of Leia's struggle uh, to, to find unity in her own identity. I mean, it's, it's, first of all, it's a long list when you hear it aloud. Woof. That's a lot going on. <laughs> um, I, I, I've always said I'm one of those folks, I'm not alone clearly that Leia is, is um, the best example of, of, of a star Wars character or just the best embody star wars i've been asked that on podcasts before right like what's the best star wars character but it's almost impossible to answer right uh because who hair might be it uh but <laughs> Leia's to me is the best all of her example because because she she to me just embodies so much uh and this this all the things you're talking about and all to see her having to having to deal with that 
in a matter of, you know, days and hours after this big victory, which a lot of her life was about uh, up to that point. And where do you go from there? And just, I don't know, again, I keep using the term realistic, grounded comes to mind. I love that. Uh, it just shows the well-rounded nature of this character that we love and how that does sometimes come at a heavy cost to herself, you know, who she is and trying to find out who she is. There's a great quote early in the book. I didn't write as many quotes down for this one because I've just had so much fun reading, but there's a great quote of, you know, uh, she says, uh, I'm just tired. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> tired. I think the line is, uh, uh, I'm tired of being a hero or something like that. I, I, oh God, um, I wrote it way far down. I'll get to that. She was just so tired of being strong. Okay. Mm, Very realistic. Yeah. Very realistic. And the weight of everything you're describing is on her. And, but at the end of this, Maybe where she ends up, and this is, again, the framework part of it, she finds balance in all of it, right? Or at least that's mm-hmm. the goal, and that's the goal for all of us. So to see all that on her plate, and and remember, this is a character in that, in that, in that uh, five-issue comic run in 2014. They began in a wonderful spot where Evan Verlaine's like, you a-hole. I'm from the planet, too. I knew your mom. It doesn't even look like you're affected. And to go mm. from that and to go into what that Leia being not affected, I'm crushed by this. But I also have to be this. And I also have to be that. And that is all of us. How many hats do we wear every day? You know? Um, and for yeah. me, how many beanies? And, and, and <laughs> I just thought this was, for this timeless character, again, at this point in her life, it's a key point in these characters' lives. It, it was just the weight of it. You felt it. And how she can get to the, the unifying it all, as you said, and finding balance amongst that, all those titles. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, it, it, it's such a great uh, uh, place to explore this, right? Because, yeah, the morning after the Battle of Endor and, you know, hey, you want to train the force? Hey, you want to build a government? Hey, you want to keep <laughs> fighting? Hey, you want to get married? It's like, it's a great way to kind of push on all of these different uh, ideas of, of who, who she can be. And it is, yeah. it's so deeply moving and relatable. Um, I, I think so many people feel this way. I know I really feel it. I want to do too many things. I've probably... Mm-hmm. Uh, injured myself at points in my life and career because I want to do too many things. I want to be more people and have more careers than I can in the years that I'm allotted on this earth. Mm-hmm. Um, so to, to see Leia kind of wrestling with that was really, really powerful. And I feel like this idea that that at some point, yep, she's going to have to make some practical choices of here's here's where I'm literally giving the most time. But there's no point in denying any aspect of herself, right? There's no point in denying yeah. uh, the human side of herself that that needs to just find joy and, and comfort in her family. There's no point in denying the part of herself that's a fighter. There's no point in denying the part of herself that's a public face, that's a survivor of mm-hmm. Alderaan. Now there's no point in denying uh, this connection to the Force. And yeah. I think that was probably my favorite through line in her identity struggle. I, I love all the stuff about the, the private person versus the duty and the, the stress mm-hmm. of having the cameras on her face. I loved all that. We've had a lot of storytelling about that with both her and Padme. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the force stuff was was so fresh. And I, and I feel like in some ways that's the through line where she got the most closure, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that she was finally able to use the force when she looked inside herself, right? And yeah. was not trying to control the force, wasn't just asking or commanding somebody else to do something, but just uh, reached inside, connected with herself, and then reached out and just asked for help. And then, you know, the the, the creature, the Edont responding, mm-hmm. that's such a Leia thing of like, okay, I looked inside myself and I just intuitively 
looked at my own truth and I put that out into the galaxy. And what do you know? I, I did some coalition, <laughs> coalition yeah. building, right? Like yeah. Leia in the Edon in that moment were like symbionts. They were helping each other. They both needed that uh, Imperial mm. space dagger to fall, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So even that was sort of, even her kind of looking inside herself and trying to understand the force and understand her personal connection to it ended up being a moment of unification. Ah, man, I absolutely love everything you're saying. And as always, I try to like, how do I apply all this to, to not just my own life, but the real world? Imagine uh, you graduate high school. There's a knock on the door. Someone says, do you want to be president? Do you want to be uh, <laughs> another person shows up? And says, do you want to be a baseball player? Uh, do you want to be a famous stand-up comic? And all of this is at your door. And how do you find your way through it? And the force stuff was perhaps the most powerful because that's that hangs over this character, right? And and we know some of the big decisions. There was a great interview our pal Alex Damon did with Beth Revis. I, I suggest you all check it out on his YouTube channel. And uh, he asked her point blankly, do you think Leia ends up making the right choice uh, about maybe putting aside the Jedi path, so to speak? And, and that's something that hangs over the sequel trilogy era. And, and Beth, and I don't want, I'm paraphrasing, but basically said, yeah, I think she does for her and, and mm-hmm. finds the right way forward. And I think this, you really pick that up. In how she understands, how she comes to understand the force, uh, how uh, she just uses all of it and all the all the pieces, um, again, finding balance, unifying, like you said. So, yeah, great point. Yeah, because I think this is yeah, this is her at this moment of of uh, really having to recognize all the parts of herself, which parts of herself uh, does she want more time with? Which parts of herself is she saying like, but this is my responsibility and I have to and I actually can't just relax on my honeymoon because it's a part of myself like I want to be working. I want to be yeah, an ambassador. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, so I like that we're yeah in this moment of of discovery, and then we go forward, and that's another story where she truly makes this this choice, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah there's a, sorry one little moment like early on where Mom Mothma is like, yeah, you're going to go on your honeymoon. There's other people around here, Leia. All right, we we can handle this. Take a breath. Take a breath. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Very real. There's there's a, a great passage earlier too where it's like a hundred page 155 where where Luke is describing. Uh, Leia remembers Luke describing the Force as this. Uh, that it uh, the force illuminated the right path for him to take, um, which even there we were like that's early on when Leia's like I want to figure out this force thing because it, it'll maybe tell me who to be when I grow up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, so let's talk a little bit about Han. How how do you feel about mm. Han's struggle to settle into into a new life? Did he feel as conflicted as Leia to you? Conflicted in his own way. I think you're right to say he definitely has a different journey and there's definitely different burdens on him, right? And different parts of his personality. Um, he is uh, definitely lacking the, I could be a Jedi. Uh, <laughs> thought of his life. Um, and and I, lo- I love one of my favorite things about this. Is I th- I've seen a lot of people talking about this. I, I, he feels a step behind, right? Because of that mm-hmm. lost year. And it's a big part of what's going on. Um, He's lost, but his love of Leia is kind of this true north for him to find his way forward. And I, he's very restless, though. Um, he's me in a hotel room when I know there's a casino on the bottom floor. Like, what are we doing? Like, what are we doing in here? Uh, and, and jumping around a bit or jumping in, I, I really, it, a lot of this uh, is, is towards the end here. But I, I love the pulling in of the Falcon Kitchen Edition, which was a quote-unquote thing back in the day when that was first revealed. I remember there's some discussion around it, and I agree you do have to phrase that uh, correctly or, you know, uh, thread a needle on how to present that there. Uh, but I never really agree with the fervor back then because I, I, I just think it was a surface level engagement for Han. 
to say my world needs to feel like a home for two of us in three counting Chewy is big. When I always say I'm a Han guy, because I grew up a Han Solo fan, I grew into more of Han than I even care to admit, right? Um, <laughs> and and Han folks, um, what 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 they kind of they they, um, they don't want you in their lives. They they want you around it, and mm. that's a problem, right? It's sometimes even what maybe draws you to them, but it might be basically Hans a stand-up comic, but, um, um, but he takes giant steps towards pulling lay into this through this, because I think he really sees who she is, who he is in her life. And uh, he goes from, you know, remember he goes from, I love you. I know to waking up. There's a war on, I'm part of it. I'm really part of it doing it for her. And now we're getting married. That's for him. That's a blink of the eye. And he's got mm-hmm. to catch up to all that and find his place in that. So that's why he just feels a step behind, conflicted in his own way. While she's doing all this stuff, he's got to figure, great, do I, you know, there's a, there's a great old episode of a sitcom of the, the husband. Every year on my birthday, I take a walk by myself and it turns into a big fight like a sitcom would with the wife. At the end of the episode, he goes, I went for the walk and I just determined I want you on that walk with me. That's where I'm at. That's Han needs to do that. And a lot of this book was about, great, yeah, we're together. What does that really mean? And how do I fit you into my life? Because my life's on that falcon flying around with not a care in the world. And you have all the cares in the world. And how do I plug in that, support that, and be myself in that? I think it was simpler, absolutely, uh, just as important. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I, I, I love the kitchen thing in this book that it was a clumsy attempt to do something kind is the way it's portrayed, yes. right? Like, yeah, I know, like, I... I treat the the falcon like this you know a party dorm room that flies through Mm -hmm. space right (laughs) yeah Yeah. and i want to make it feel like a home and i love i laughed out loud so much at lay being like what Mm -hmm. made you think i cook (laughs) Uh, you know it's great catharsis after seeing like i wrestle with leia's wrestling with all these paths like well Mm -hmm. cooking isn't one of them (laughs) cooking's not gonna be it yeah yeah big dummy and like them having a laugh about it it's just it's perfect and human and and it celebrates their contrast right that yeah. uh yeah and i think that's what's great about han is his heart is like in the right place um mm. and then he's just mm. trying to figure out how to act on that and sometimes he nails it and sometimes it's clumsy yeah um and i i like that he is he is in some ways a simple more direct guy right he's he's got he loves forward movement and I mm-hmm. love that it's that his rationale was like, hey, I lost that time. We're going to talk more about his lost time. It's, it's huge. But they're just like, hey, look, I'm kind of a practical guy and I walk away from everything. And I tried to walk away from you and it didn't work. I came back. And then, you know, I tried to fly away from you and the the uh, <laughs> the galaxy wasn't having it. And, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I got lost and you came for me. So, like, look, if, if we're just going to end up together anyway, then let's just do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's so just... uh practical and direct in a, in a certain way. And then I mm-hmm. love that just like when he has a kind of a, a bonkers idea in battle, like, well, I just did it. I just ripped the bandaid off and said, yeah, we should be married. And I was like, Oh, okay. How's this going to work? <laughs> yeah. And then I really like that, you know, once they get on that cruise ship in particular, right. Mm-hmm. Leia is faced with these real challenges. The camera's in my face. I'm here to have a private honeymoon, but I'm here to present it to the galaxy. But I, mm. I want to go over to that planet because I want to be serving the New Republic. And I'm kind of wondering if I can use the Force. And at that moment, Han is just sort of like, uh, I don't really like this ship. I don't feel comfortable. I want to mm. stay in mm. bed with my wife. In the, yeah. the simplicity of what he wants is yeah. just like, I just wanted some alone time with my, my wife. I, I love the directness of that. 
Yeah. But then at the same time, I do think he's wrestling with it, that he's used to a specific kind of life, right? He's used to yeah. the Falcon. I love that he's used to Sabak played with actual cards and stakes, mm. uh, all those things. But mm. then throughout the book, it, it, he's open to change and he's aware mm. it's happening, right? There's that great passage yeah. where he gets distracted on Chandrilla looking at just kids playing and going like, would I ever want that? You know, mm-hmm. in some ways he is the forward movement, right? Yeah. Uh, Leia's having a hard time letting the war go, letting being an ambassador go, let, letting being a public servant go, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and Han is the one who's who kind of keeps seeing her, asking to be with her, asking to talk through through things. So he he is showing this this growth and this evolution that he's he's it's gonna be hard and he doesn't know how it's gonna manifest, but he's really open to change and really aware it's happening. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, yeah. I'm just nodding my head because uh, that's why that, that thing at the end, the, the kitchen to the end, it's huge for him. Yeah. And it's not a suggestion that you're going to make me space omelets every day. It's just like it's a change that might make you comfortable and feel like you're OK being here. And then I, uh, you know, moving forward. Yeah, I, I agree with you that he's he's kind of the big change going forward. Yeah. Yeah. There's this great passage on on page uh, 257 uh, where uh he he says, uh, huh, his chin tilted as he bit back the self-deprecating smirk budding on his lips. All it took was a few years in the Skywalker twins to make him realize that he could ask for help. No strings, no favors, no paybacks. It was possible to just ask and get the aid needed. Who could have seen that is an option for Han Solo. Yeah. Uh, that that to me was like sort of Han fitting into this unification theme that in, in some ways his big journey was coming out of the Carbonite and realizing people came for me luke and leia and lando came back for me um so i think we're it's great that we're finding him in this book with an acknowledgement in himself that he has changed and now he's asking himself what's life going to be like because i have changed because i do trust more than i used to yeah, I love tying it to him coming out of uh, uh, Carbonite, almost a rebirth, if you will. We all know mm. the character so well. There's some a great little exchange of uh, you know Lady Proxima, and there's some wonderful stuff about Kira, and uh, oh no, you ran into my ex girlfriend, that kind of thing. But like, <laughs> um, what you know, the, the lack of protection that he, he you know felt in that time, and and the character we know so much, and, and and so he had no love for the Empire, but he had no love for any other cause beyond himself, and that, that's all all been clear. I, I love how you're saying. He emerged. He's trying to catch up. He's trying to figure it out and 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 look look around. He he has uh, his true connections. He never really had that, and I don't think he really had that until um, coming out of Carbonite, right? No, you know, just uh, he he emerges changed. He emerges changed. Yeah. To be clear, he has it with Chewie, but he doesn't fully acknowledge yeah. it to himself. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, Chewie, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. yeah. So uh, obviously, there there are a bunch of different images, ideas uh, of unification. You mentioned the great tree on Endor, literally being its own tree, but connected to all other trees. Uh, great stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. The the Leia's great hope that uh, Madurs will join the New Republic. Uh, Han and Leia's moments of actual romance are literal, physical unification. Out of all of these ideas of unification, uh, were, were there any uh, that were particularly impactful to you that you wanted to touch on? I, I start with the tree because it just was so beautiful. I love Bright Tree Village, right? I kind of want to climb this tree in a video game. Can you know? Can you <laughs> can you do that? Uh, so that was a good way to just uh, kind of illustrate it. Uh, very poetic. And then I, you know, the, the end result of um, again taking the uh, giant space sword of a space station out of the planet. Um, there's a lot of things to you know 
to kind of be like Han. Yeah, no, I, I get why the, the Prime Minister Jens and the people in Madeira might not want this. Uh, to, but to come around to it and just see, again, similar to what you're talking about with Han, uh, we can get help. Help's available. Connections are available. The right kind of connections. People aren't using you. Uh, I love Leia saying, no, we'll pay. The, the, the Republic will pay. Not alone. Mm-hmm. We'll pay. Small thing, small thing, but it, it really tied it all together just kind of when the ice melts uh, or reforms on this planet, to be clear. Um, <laughs> uh, you got that kind of strength, uh, true strength and unification. Yeah, that, that great display of just like, yeah, we are not almost like what Han was thinking about, right? Uh, that he could ask for help, no strings, no favors, no paybacks, like Leia offering for the New Republic to just mm-hmm. pay. It's not a loan. We are showing you that our intent is to, you know, uh, a, a rising tide lifts all boats, not in your planet because yeah. it's a nice planet. Yeah. Uh, but really that that uh, sentiment that we are stronger together and we, we want to show you that we're genuinely reaching out uh, to help. It was really powerful. Uh, I think for me, ultimately, the, the the idea of unification, I loved all of it, uh, but it was really Han's, you know, journey is always uh, to not be a grump, <laughs> mm-hmm. but to see and accept Leia. And the, these these two quotes really got me. Um, it's page 171 when they're fighting, uh, and Leia says, you knew you were marrying an ambassador and a politician when you proposed to me. And Han says, no, I thought I was marrying you. Mm-hmm. Han watched his words hit her like a flechette, each one a piercing blow. Um, mm-hmm. So you see kind of like that dark side of, you know, Han's anger, right? And Han being able yeah. to know exactly what is bothering her, that she is trying to be all these different things, and all these different people, and Han being selfish and impatient and just wanting his time with her. Um, in comparing that to this great passage uh, at the end, which in some ways to me is like the the, the emotional conclusion of the book, Um we're on page uh, 232, 233, and it says, Han understood now she was not just his wife, nor was she just the people's princess. She was Leia, and Han had to love all of her or none of her, even her blood. Leia fractured herself for everyone, the strong warrior for the rebellion, the savvy politician for the Senate, the gracious leader for the people, but she was whole in front of him, multifaceted, and sometimes cracked, but whole. He had to love the whole of her or nothing at all. That was the way of it with Leia, all or nothing he chose all. Mm-hmm. I just love that this insight comes from Han, right? Yeah. Who can be uh, grumpy and clumsy and deny connection and, and struggle with his feelings. And that this is, this is in some ways the great love story of like, mm-hmm. I see you, I see all of you. And I accept that you're a multifaceted, you know, yeah. is what else can any of us want from love, but from somebody who truly sees all, all of us, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, including uh, flaws and challenges, and says, I accept all of you. And to have this great emotional truth, and, and to me, the sort of thematic, you know, ribbon uh, being tied into a bow of this story to come from, you know, mm. grumpy, sometimes emotionally challenged Han was really powerful. Yeah, no. Well said, well said. And then Peter Gabriel started singing, in your eyes. (laughs) Exactly. In your eyes. Uh, Absolutely. All right, let's get on to this other uh, big theme then, if uh, you're okay moving on. Yeah, yeah. Um, It's kind of hinted at in that passage, uh, multifaceted and sometimes cracked but whole. There's a massive theme of trauma in this book, which makes sense. Uh, We have real specific traumas. Uh, Leia is haunted by the very recent uh, Vader revelation. Uh, how she feels about it personally, how it affects her connection with the Force, what will happen when the galaxy inevitably finds out, 
on is haunted, uh, like you were discussing, by that mm. lost year of his life in Carbonite, the literal pain and shock and isolation of it. Uh, the planet uh, Madurs is a beautiful, artistic place that has been literally stabbed by a giant dark blade, mm. and it is coming apart right before it unifies at the end. Uh, there's so much about trauma. Did that resonate with you, and what was powerful about, about the depiction of trauma in this book? I think for me, I looked at the, the galaxy... And, and just as a whole, having perhaps the biggest open wound and how I've never really stopped to think about the second Death Star blowing up, the Emperor falling down a, a, a shaft, whether he appears later, decades later, it doesn't matter. He's gone in this moment. He's gone in this part of the story. And that's a uh, that's been victory for me growing up. Right. Yay. Again, Ewoks dancing. And it is. It is that. It's also a lot of things. And it's also uh, a, a big trauma to the galaxy, and, and, and including not just the moment, but what led to it. Uh, decades of oppression, even going to the uh, Clone War and, and, and everything going on there. Um, it really kind of resonated in this book for me. I really, really mean that. It, just going around the way the way she was t- took the Halcyon itself. And, and turned it into uh, how people deal with what happened and who was already... Mm-hmm. Um, dealing with it or who was already kind of not dealing with it. Going back to the interview again with Alex Damon, she, she cited about, um, cited this idea about, I had a small window from the end of Return of the Jedi to wherever I think in the comics or the books that these characters kind of separate, right? Not mm-hmm. in terms of love, but just in plot. So I have a small window and they're on this cruise ship. Who would already have bought and paid for tickets, right? Mm-hmm. Who would already be there? <laughs> And this idea of they don't, some of the folks don't care. You mentioned it. Even a cruise in real life, you will see uh, different classes. Um, look at the James Cameron, Titanic. That's a documentary, right? Uh, it, <laughs> you see it, right? You see it. And, and it gets into some bigger issues. But anyways, uh, just reminded me that the galaxy needs to heal. And that's a lot of what the unification stuff is. But that's the biggest trauma. And then, you know, Hanalei have some great wounds to heal as well. Uh, so that was there too. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. And I love that idea of like, yeah, who would be uh, that? That's so great to hear from from that mm-hmm. interview. I haven't had a chance to watch it yet. Of like, yeah, the people who would be on the screws are the people who probably would have taken it <laughs> if the rebellion <laughs> lost. Yeah. yeah. You want to take a celebratory cruise? Yeah. For which side? We'll, we'll see. <laughs> Doesn't really matter. Yeah. And, and great ties to, you know, uh, stuff that's on screen in Last Jedi with Canto Bite of, you know, mm-hmm. a, a class that is sort of rich enough to separate itself from trauma up to a point. Mm-hmm. Eventually it will come for them as well. But um, yeah, I think for me, uh, it, it's just, it's core to why I love Star Wars. And, you know, as a kid, I wouldn't have been able to put it into words. I think, you know, mm-hmm. as a teen and a young man, it's probably why I was so attracted to The Empire Strikes Back because. I grew up around a lot of storytelling about like, and frankly, a lot of cultural pressure that being a hero was being unbreakable and stronger mm-hmm. and tougher. And to see heroes that were true heroes, they were, they were cool and you wanted to be them, but also they were wounded. You, you mm-hmm, could cut mm-hmm. them, they would bleed on the inside and the outside, and then they would deal with it. That is one of the things that makes Star Wars powerful to me. That's what makes it mythic. It's not a, 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 just a power fantasy. It is real wounded people. The characters are wounded, just like we are, uh, but they find a way to to persevere. So I think the fact that the galaxy is in trauma, but Han and Leia in particular, our perspective characters, uh, are in trauma and they're really determined to not be held back by it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
there's a, a just a quick little passage on page 296. Um, I don't even write down the actual passage, but like Han thinks that many broken things, many things broken by the Empire found a way to survive. And like that was a good yes, catchphrase yes. for me about it. It's like, yep, yep, there's a lot of trauma. But it it, it it was like Han's attitude of like, yeah, yeah, it might look broken, but it kicks ass. Let's We're go. still here. Let's yeah. go. You know? Yeah. Made the Kessel run. Yeah, no, I, I love that. for That was a great little uh, section, yeah. Yeah. So I want to talk about these uh, different uh, aspects of trauma. What part of Leia's trauma journey was most interesting or powerful to you? Trying to understand her, her biological father, just struggling to understand all of it, trying to understand uh, Luke believing there was good in him. I love that exchange. I love the stuff around the... The funeral pyre. There's sometimes oh. there's been a couple things. There was a, one of the books recently, right? Didn't someone just kind of wander off and they witnessed Luke doing it? I didn't love that one as much as it wasn't bad, but this one, this one just was really powerful. Even Luke coming back, smelling a smoke, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, just being able to to uh, you know getting inside her head a little bit uh, of uh, experience, what she experienced uh, at at his hand, his hand being Vader. Um, no, and also knowing, especially following the Obi-Wan Kenobi series, knowing that she very early on had come to a kind of a place of peace that Bale and Breha were her family, right? And and pulling mm-hmm. strength from that as opposed to searching for answers and a belonging from her, her mother and father, her, her biological mother and father. Like that, that was very important, right? Very important, very mm-hmm. key to that series. And so now having that tossed in the, in the mix, I love that. And then you combine all that with the, oh, plus he had the force power uh, that he had too. <laughs> And Leia struggling and, and and struggling with uh, you know using it to control um, uh, the some of the that echoing Anakin a little bit. If I had that power, I'd use it to save everybody or whatever the exact mm-hmm. quote is. Yeah, that's powerful stuff. So and it all just makes sense as we know that by bloodline, the idea of kind of keeping this all secret is important and part of what um, the paranoia that kind of builds around her over it a little bit. But this is again going to the beginning. Really loved all that. Yeah, no, it was really powerful. Um, yeah, in in that finding the the helmet, like not not wanting to hear it from Luke of just like I don't want to talk about it tonight. Uh, finding the helmet, being full of rage, screaming, you know, saying, you know, Bale's my father, all that stuff. It's really powerful. I think it's one of the things that makes Leia seem real because she is so uh, such a strong person, but she mm-hmm. is kind of aware of like I am nowhere near forgiveness or even wanting to understand Vader. Yeah. I will deal with the trauma in the way it's immediately affecting me that I have this connection to this power. It's giving Luke all of this peace in mm-hmm. direction, which I want. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it's a power. Therefore, it's a responsibility. I might be able to help the, use this to help people. So that she's like, the, the Vader is my father, this monster who tortured me and, and, and my now husband and mm-hmm. everybody in, yeah. in, in yeah. my life. I'm nowhere near dealing with him. Mm-hmm. Bleep him. I'll mm-hmm. deal with me and and, and the force. And, and they, there's this uh, passage around page 155 where she is, um, for a moment, she's like scared to touch the force because he did, right? Yeah. And then decides, no, BS. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to let Vader uh, scare me away from the force. I'll use it the way I want to use it. Uh, that was a, a powerful moment of, of moving a, a, away from trauma to me. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 Identifying the trauma, identifying the beginnings is so important, but uh, where you go from there and how you approach it and, and asking for help through it all as these characters do. Yeah. Important. Yeah. Um, one other thing I wanted to be sure to share, because it was probably one of my very favorite parts of the book uh, because it was too close to home for me emotionally, for my truth. Um, 
I love the the passage where Leia is being shown the beautiful ice art and it's it's that sculpture that she really loves and then it, it becomes more beautiful when you uh, hit it with this other object <laughs> mm-hmm. but that is also destroying it and she is freaked out by beauty that isn't meant to last yeah um, <laughs> I, I think from because of various li- life experiences I have a hard time letting go I have a fear uh, of loss uh, right now I'm going through my wife and I are going through uh, you know redoing our apartment and getting rid of some things that we've owned. And it's just, it's an issue that I have to work through Mm. of like, I want everything to last. I want everything to exist uh, forever. And I think it was emotionally powerful to me because of that. But I think Leia, strong, strong Leia uh, being emotionally upset by something beautiful that isn't meant to last. It, It reflects her fear that joy is fleeting, that like she has to, save the entire galaxy before there can be joy. Yeah. Um, it, it reflects this fear that develops kind of in the, in the later half of the book that she only has so much time to make a difference because the galaxy is going to find out she is the daughter of Vader and that mm. she can't help people anymore. So yeah. I, I think, yeah. again, giving her that really relatable, real-life trauma-built weakness of, uh, oh, oh, no, what if a beautiful thing doesn't last was really powerful. Mm. Very realistic. Very realistic. Yeah. yeah. Uh, not beyond just what you're talking about. Yeah. You can take that a lot, a lot of different ways. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so we are going to move on from that beautiful things. We have more beautiful <laughs> things to talk about. How did you feel knowing stoic, you know, uh, arguably cool guy Han Solo felt this absolute pain and trauma of about having been frozen in carbonite, losing the time and the literal physical sensation of it uh, traumatizing him. How did you feel about that? Is somebody who grew up with cool Han Solo? Yeah, I was going to say, arguably, what are you, Lando? He's he's the coolest of the land. Yeah, yeah he's the coolest of the land. Uh, no, I loved it. It, it was, uh, first of all, you'll never find me diving into open waters uh, anyways. Definitely not now. Uh, wonderful descriptions of uh, them going underwater, <laughs> just the panic. But him kind of having this, yeah, it's kind of like space, but then also the kind of the connection to what he had felt with and how it relates to his, his carbon freezing. Uh, it was haunting. Um, it, uh, it, you know, his journey with it, that lost year that went by, I love that that just kept popping up and that other, even Leia kind of realized, uh, you know, man, all the things he missed. And then she just kind of runs through a list of comic books, right? That <laughs> all these things. That, I don't know. It was just one of the more realistic takes uh, in modern Star Wars. And I, I keep using that word realistic uh, and, and sub any word you want. Grounded comes to mind a lot. Uh, um it's just like of, of the actual uh, reality of, of what Han went through and then how, you know, he emerges. It's not just a couple of moments of blindness on uh, Tatooine. Uh, again, imagine everyone's, yes, everyone's come and rescued you. Everyone's, uh, you have, now have these stronger connections, friends and love, but also just like, whoa, 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 we're going, we're doing this. Like we're getting married, we're doing all these things. And like, what, where, who was I, who, where, what, where, what was I feeling? And just the pain, the feeling, it, it was uh, claustrophobic in a way to just yeah. have him kind of relive it. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I really liked Leia reflecting on like, yeah, they claim that it's not painful, but he was frozen in a moment of real physical pain and uh, her being so attuned and sensitive to like, yeah, he might, he might experience, you know, trauma flashbacks in the water or in a confined space. So mm-hmm. I love the the let's own the the physical pain of that. 
Mm. But then I really liked that it, it dove even deeper to be like, obviously anybody who is frozen in carbonite against their will would, would have trauma, right? Yeah. Uh, but it cuts to the core of Han as a character, right? Because Han is somebody who wants to decide his fate. Mm. He wants mm. forward movement. You know, anything's better than just sitting around, right? <laughs> yeah. He yeah. wants to do the next thing. Um, in carbonite, is the opposite of all that. It is yeah. isolation. It's the inability to move. It is his agency taken away from him for a year. And I love that it kind of dealt with that too and kind of explained this Han who is like came out of it. I mean, w- w- when I was growing up, this was a common criticism of Return of the Jedi, particularly as I got in kind of my, my teen years and around mm-hmm. a lot of other uh, uh, men who wanted to show how, how strong they were, right? Like, Oh, Han's the coolest guy ever, and then he gets frozen in carbonite, and then he just has no character in Return of the Jedi. He's just, he's, he's just, you know, basically just like does whatever Leia says. Like that was a thing I heard a lot, mm, right? Mm-hmm. Of criticizing Han for being just kind of weak and falling in line. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I carry a little bit of that baggage of, of mm-hmm. hearing that opinion a lot growing up, and I, it's really rewarding for me to read a book that really treats Han as a fully fleshed yeah. out character who would be greatly traumatized by being in carbonite in that it would affect his choices that he's really like, okay, great. What's next? Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Mm. Yeah. Very grounded, very realistic. Yeah. And going to, yeah, just falling in the trauma category of, uh, you know, we all got these wounds and you can't just brush them off. Yep. Yep. Uh, and one more uh, bit of talking about trauma I want to talk about is the, you know, planet of uh, Madurs, the moon. Uh, mm-hmm. Did you enjoy this story of, of the trauma of being, you know, stabbed by <laughs> the Empire uh, and then ending up with the the unification? We've seen uh, in red a, a lot yeah. of stories of the Empire destroying worlds. I think we're getting more with Andor. Was this one particularly compelling or did it feel at all repetitive of the tales of Imperial destruction? No. Yeah, there's always a danger. I, 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 I'm sure there's. Some folks are like, here we go again, right? Another planet affected. Research. We get it. We get it. We get it. And it's, I guess you're rooting for the Empire at that point. No, the the there was something <laughs> different here. There was um, or unique, not different, unique to this story. The, the feeling that they have to live with it. There's there's that kind of feeling hanging over it of like you know they can't really ask for help because of the danger of the situation. I thought it was a great. Uh, I don't know, just the, the Yens, because mm-hmm. I'm rooting against Yens in the beginning, and then you kind of start right. figuring it out as they're figuring it out. And again, going to this idea, hard to ask for help. They like literally hard mm-hmm. to ask for help for them, and it just kind of, like, kind of like, for me, highlighted the helplessness helplessness of um, the people on these planets, all of them, while driving home the coldness of the Empire doing it. I, I don't mind seeing that reflected uh, in, in Star Wars storytelling time and time again. It there's a lot of planets and it all ties into different things. Some of the materials show up in other books and you can connect it. And you got some connections down the line here to start killer base, not necessarily from what was mm-hmm. going on here, but uh, the, the result. So it's all kind of fun in that kind of star Wars lore and canon kind of way, but to actually see it to feel that there was a different kind of sense of no, no, things are good. Things are good. As, as the person's like staring at you, <laughs> please pick up on the fact that it's not. <laughs> yeah, you're right. That was a really great twist. And I was in the same thing of like, yeah, it felt like Ian's was in denial or, you know, in cahoots. And I think they built that up too, of yeah. them both feeling yeah. like, is this like Bespin? <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so that is a great twist. I think the reason it worked for me is it felt mythic, right? That it, yeah. it, There is a, to me, beautiful lack of subtlety, that it's a beautiful planet that has been literally stabbed by a dark blade from the Empire. I love that there's nothing subtle about it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I think what was powerful about it is 
the way the culture on that planet was developed is that it had uh, the absolute beauty of being sort of a, a unique, beautiful world. And beauty in this book is really something that is highlighted that beauty is to be in, enjoyed. It's what makes life worth living. So there's this power of it being uh, this beautiful, uh, artistic place. And that makes the Empire's violation, you know, mm. bad. Yeah. But then at the same time, with all of the um, the, the the Fisher people, right, um, there's this working class vibe. And there's this great Star oh. Wars story of being in tune with the environment. So I think in this one planet, kind of all these aspects of things that I think are culturally coded for us to be good, you know, to be uh, right. working with your environment, uh, to to have a strong working class with its, uh, you know, own traditions and language and perspective and uh, to have a society that is functional enough that it has time to make art for art's sake. Mm-hmm. It, it, it turns this whole world into almost like before the empire came, it's pretty ideal. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, it makes it you know it makes it extra awful that this world that you can see would would be great mm-hmm. <laughs> is being ruined by the empire. And then the final thing for me, I think you know the Leia perspective of uh, it's going to be Alderaan all over again, and I and again I can't stop it. Gave it yeah. an emotional power. Yeah, oh, absolutely, absolutely. She had to sit and watch that one helplessness, helplessly, um, feeling that feeling of helplessness. So yeah, no, I love that connecting it to her uh, own journey and the yeah. big picture. Uh, all right, we are going long, not surprisingly, but I do want to take a moment to talk about this other big theme in the book, which is uh, joy. Uh, the book spends a lot of time talking about joy, and I think the question is kind of raised of how and when to find joy. Is it safe to just find joy in the moment, or can you only experience uh, full joy when you know you are safe? Uh, th- this comes out in specific ways, obviously the main plot of the book or Han and Leia both have this instinct to just impulsively seize the moment and get married mm-hmm, <laughs> in mm-hmm. the middle of all this. Uh, I think this is where the existence of the Halcyon to me really works because it is plugged into the themes. A cruise is supposed to be joyful, right? Yeah. Uh, the ship is emphasizing the beauty of the journey as much as the destination. Um, I wrote down this uh, much longer passage. I won't read the whole thing. It is a, the, the character Riola, uh, Keevan talking uh, to Leia about the idea that there's a uh, safety in joy and mm-hmm. Leia being kind of taken aback, uh, by that idea that this sort of flipped her perspective. Um, uh, the idea that a feeling of joy created a sense of safety. That was true in a very profound way. Leia marveled at Rayola, barely able to take in the bridge as the woman led her deeper inside. Joy was one of those emotions, like love, that burst forth unbidden and even unwarranted. It wasn't manufactured or cultivated. It simply was. And if one was in a position to feel joy, that necessarily meant there was at least some safety wrapped around one's soul. Um, so, Ken, how, how, do you, how did you feel about this idea of joy? Is some amount of safety needed or should joy just be grasped any moment it comes along? <laughs> I, I, you know, caution. I always preach caution. I, I love this theme <laughs> on a, uh, a book based around this uh, this cruise uh, and this hotel and all these things you can do to to kind of relax. I think it's uh, I think you could uh, again be cynical about that or, or laugh a little bit, but I, I think it really works because especially based around uh, th- this character of of Leia resonates with me on the story of Leah, who's someone who constantly sacrifices so much of herself for others. Right. And it's great to go. And that's, that's what, this is what I originally wrote down that quote of, she was just so tired of being strong. And, um, that, um, that might just mean order room service or at least, uh, <laughs> take the time to, to kind of 
recognize all aspects of, of your being. And I think there's something right and noble about that. There's a fine line between self-care and selflessness, selfishness for me. Uh, you mm-hmm. gotta, you know, I, I'm, I'm a person who does like to work and finds a lot of himself in working, uh, but also enjoys, I'm just going to sit here for three hours. Um, so I got to find that fine line between when am I, when am I costing myself and those around me <laughs> with my self-care and when is it for me, uh, and for a healthier cause. So I think this book uh, deals with that a lot. And, and, the, and the wedding following a war makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. It really yeah. worked. Yeah. I, I I was really moved by that idea of uh, sort of there there's long term joy to be built toward right mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. Uh, uh, the the moon of Madurs if if it stabilizes and can get back to being this beautiful place that hey a cruise ship stops by for uh, mm-hmm. mutual enjoyment of beauty that's a that's a long term goal but then also this idea that Leia can treat herself to joy uh, even. Um, just a moment of joy, even before the the long term victory is had. That that's sort of necessary, mm-hmm. right? To keep yourself alive, uh, to keep yourself happy while you're fighting the long fight. Uh, and I think the way that was reflected with uh, the wedding ring was great. Mm-hmm. That this idea of that that was a frozen moment. Literally, it's frozen amber, right? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. this frozen moment of joy and it's cracking, right? And her whole instinct is stop everything and do everything to protect it, protect it, protect it. And there's a this passage on, on 221 where she's uh, worrying that Han sees the crack uh, in her rings, in her ring, and he doesn't. He just takes her hand and like, yeah. that's, that's the joy she needs. I thought that was like a beautiful way to sort of capture this. Like, yep, we should absolutely be building uh, structures to create as much joy for large societies as, mm-hmm. as possible and, and you know have having creating safety so more people can feel more joy but but it's not selfish to find joy just in a moment it's yeah. necessary yeah absolutely uh so for you uh was joy ultimately found in this story Totally was. And, you know, things like the little flower flies, little flower flyers mm. and Ewoks crashing the bachelor party, a lot of yub nubbing going on and and kind of the love remaining at the end of, of the trials uh, and tribulations this couple goes through and the connection growing because of those trials, tribulations and adventures, the true Star Wars romance novel. And yes, a lot of warmth, a lot of joy all the way through it. And, and it did really feel like I was uh, watching, not just reading, but watching Han and Leia during this time uh, have this uh, story and adventure together. Yeah, I, I so agreed in, in the last couple of chapters, the way it all resolved made me really happy because uh, I really believed that the planet was going to be evacuated, you know, and it was going to be, mm-hmm. a, it's sad that they had to go through this trauma, but they will right. rebuild, right? And the idea that after all that, you know, it wasn't perfect, but the planet was saved and it was saved by Leia and Han using all their skills, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, battle, Han's piloting, uh, the force, uh, the economic power of the New Republic. Yeah. It was taking all these different parts of who Han and Leia are and together, and by asking for help, they saved this planet. Was That was a real moment of, of joy. Love that. Love that. Any other uh, themes that you want to talk about, either very specific to this book or sort of bigger Star Wars ideas uh, triggered by this book? The only, uh, the only thing to say about Han is, is you know, uh, talk about change and growth. I, I don't want to leave it on the table of him, like, wanting to launch, uh, what's this guy, Keldon, uh, Keldar, Keldon, <laughs> Keldar, Keldar, uh, out into the space and how old Han absolutely would have done it. And, and and Han had some reasons to do it. He just threatened to kidnap his wife. Uh not doing it and then that that person having value towards the end that's a very kind of star wars thing not given in the dark side or the moment and um you know maybe sometimes he would have deserved it i don't know maybe some person uh, in there would have deserved being launched into space um 
but not necessarily him. And it's a bigger picture. I thought that was a good Han moment, Han growth moment. I thought that was great and compelling reading when, when he's, you know, figuring mm-hmm. out what this guy is saying. And he's like, yeah, show me. That, that was one of those moments of like a great gut punch uh, closing of a chapter. Like, yeah, yeah show me these escape pods. <laughs> yes. Yes, it was. Uh, great stuff. All right. We are going to take a quick break and we'll be back to discuss some of the canon connections and a few favorite moments from The Princess and the Scoundrel back in a moment. of canon connections. Uh, But I wanted to start with the ship itself, the Halcyon. Um, Yeah, I didn't really realize as I was reading the book that scratching the initials in felt totally natural to me. So it wasn't until after the fact, way after the fact, it's like, oh, (laughs) I bet you can see that. So we talked about that a lot. I did want to shout out um, the the sort of uh, assistant, uh, the guide on on the ship uh, who is helping Leia and Han, uh, Riola Keevan, uh, that is the future captain of the Halcyon. That is the character who is the captain if you take the actual uh, Disney um, hotel experience. Hmm. That's good. Um, yeah. 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 So uh, I, I think it is the the storytelling tradition of um, of building connections, right? Yeah. Uh, so that if you like, I know for me, like the, the Black Spire book is great. And when I go to the resistance area, it is more powerful to me because I know how much Vimerati and everybody else suffered to build that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I respect it more. So I like that, uh, that building. And, uh, you know, I've mentioned this in, in the past, uh, but the actor who portrays, uh, Riola Keevan, uh, is a friend, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, direct connection to how you and I met. So it's amazing to be yeah. reading, uh, this book that mm-hmm. uh, the character my friend portrays is in and the character <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. and the, the actor who portrays this character is one of the reasons Force Center exists. <laughs> it's just a kind of a, a fun level of, of meta I didn't for me. I know that. Yeah, okay. Yeah, the, the actor um, introduced me to uh, our mutual friend Audrey Kearns. 
Oh. It was Audrey's panel I was doing with a bunch of other mutual friends where you and I met at uh, Los Angeles Comic-Con. See, it's all connected. The force works, my friends. The force works. Uh, we already talked about all of our Halcyon thoughts, so is there anything else that you uh, want to talk about or should we move on? Look, one day, one day I'll get there. I'll take out uh, 12 loans and I'll get there. Uh, and then I'm, I'm going to run right to the engineering room and look for the, the initials. Yep. Absolutely. And I get the, the, the concern and consternation that it is a Star Wars experience that we're being encouraged to take. And it is extremely expensive. Yeah. I get that consternation about the, the Disney parks in general and about Galaxy's Edge that it, it is out of the reach of many people. Mm-hmm. But I feel like, hey, th- these things are expensive. Not everybody can go to them. And some of this stuff is advertising. Absolutely. But some of this stuff to me is like, it's a part of the storytelling of Star Wars and they're trying to make it accessible to everybody of like, hey, maybe you're not going to go to this hotel, but maybe you can still feel like, you know, clued in on what Batu is like or what the Halcyon is like through this story. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that take. Yeah. And look, I don't know if I want to go in anyways, because if I'm on there, I just might be one of those people that didn't care about who won. Yeah. I, I, I don't, uh, the part, there's that part of me is like, I know that you'll get the most out of it uh, if you participate in the story and everybody says that. I'm like, but you're telling me there's a bar where there are like uh, people singing Star Wars space <laughs> songs and universe songs. I just want to sit and drink and watch the songs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right. So there was a lot, of course, of original trilogy uh, movie connections and mentions, of course, because this is immediately after the conclusion of the original trilogy and two of the main characters. Uh, we hear a lot about the immediate aftermath of the Endor uh, victory party. Uh, Vader's mm. melted helmet, uh, Luke's smelling of the pyre. Mm. Uh, yeah. Luke and Han have a fun conversation about Ewok cuteness versus their brutality. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, Luke and Han uh, talk about the kiss with Leia on Hoth. Uh, mm. Uh, there's the revelation that uh, Han has told Leia how bad the Tauntaun smell multiple times that this is a thing that he just can't let go. Like Homer Simpson, who won't stop talking about the blue man group. Yeah. Han gets drunk and like, they smell real bad. Uh, a lot of discussion of what Leia went through with the mind probe torture in A New Hope. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a great little uh, idea that the Bespin takeover uh, in Empire Strikes Back was part of a general push by the Empire to get more uh, fuel and resources to build the second Death Star Leia yeah. is starting to put together, which uh, was a chef's kiss for me. I love, love that. Love it. So out of, out of all this, and there's many more, uh, what stuff worked for you? Where did it land on the, this is a logical continuation of the character versus uh, this book is just sort of referencing a famous thing to, to tick a box? Well, I'll actually just start there. I think Beth Revis has had just as much fun getting to a lot of the stuff as some of the other authors have had recently. And, and and I think Star Wars books are on a great roll right now with just great books, with a lot of fun connections. Um, so, I, you know, I, I just, I enjoy that stuff. But there was a real sense of purpose throughout this book. Not that the previous books lacked that, but you know what I mean? There was just, everything was used effectively. And mm-hmm. even the way it was dealt with, the Han and Luke conversation about the kiss was fun. It was great, but it wasn't just a inside joke. It, it was it was part of the discussion. It was part of what was going on. I really think she did a an amazing job of that. It, it, she she had a checklist too as well. It would seem. I don't know what she had a Google sheet or something. You know, she knows she's been watching <laughs> these movies over and over again. And um, but it's just I, every time it felt beyond that. Right from again, right from the beginning. I, I can't tell you. Can't just can't stress enough how about that the opening page won me over of just mm-hmm. Leia describing everything. And and you could hear I could hear 
uh, the music playing, whether it's a classic Yub Nub celebration song or, or the, the special edition stuff. I heard the music and I, I heard the sounds of the Ewoks pounding the, the empty Stormtrooper helmets. And I'm like, yay. But then all of a sudden it takes this very poignant turn. Uh, so it was all used effectively, even if some of them were just, hey, it's a character from this or that. I don't know. Just there was a lot of fun. Enjoyed that. So it all kind of worked overall, uh, but they all just included a desire to explore and understand the moments. Uh, and I really respect that. So that said, yeah, uh, anything on Bright Tree Village, anything about that thing? I really, uh, really felt and, and connected with Han over the uh, you've told that story too many times thing. So <laughs> that's me. That's me. Yep. It is. Yep. yep. When you host yep. 19 podcasts a week, you're going to be like, oh, I did say that over there again. But they do smell. Yep. Yep. I know this is a thing I go on about, but yeah, extremely, <laughs> extremely relatable. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, I think uh, it, for me, it is, uh, uh, there's something about Beth Revis's approach that everything is emotional. Everything feels like the characters. I never feel bumped out of the character's mm-hmm. uh, perspective. Um, and, and I think you're right. Starting with this is right after uh the the victory party this is the the dregs of the victory party mm-hmm. leia and han and luke and lando and mon mothma and low gray these are the things that they just went through so of course they're on their mind of course they are affected by them it starts from this place uh, of truth and uh yeah I, I have enjoyed almost all of the star wars books we have read. I have mentioned it before, even in, in some of the books that I just really adore every once in a while, something comes up and it bumps me a little bit. Cause I feel like, uh, yeah, I believe that the character is talking about this, but it's also such a well-known joke among star Wars fans yeah. that it feels a little meta. I can kind of feel the author being playful and I'm bumped out of the, the fiction a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I didn't feel that at all. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's just because like, this is a story where like, yeah, Luke and Han are are both changed and this major dynamic just massively shifted in this this group of 3, right? Yeah. That there's this connection between Han and uh Leia and Luke's telling his closest friends this huge truth he found out. Of of mm. course they're kind of looking back and feeling things out. And the kiss didn't feel like mm. That's the kiss discussion didn't feel like that's a joke that Star Wars fans make. So let's have the characters in Star Wars make the Star Wars fan joke. Mm-hmm. It felt like, of course, they would talk about that. And of course, they would talk about it in this moment. And of course, they would talk about it exactly the way they did of like, let's just leave that alone. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Well said on that one. Uh, it could have been done really bad. Uh, and I because I'm because t- I'm t- I don't I'm t- done with the kissing jokes. Right. Like, I just mm-hmm. I get it. I've laughed at them. I've made them. Uh, I understand it, but it's just, it's it's so far just in my rearview mirror as a Star Wars fan. But it, it, it would need it would need to be addressed. This yep. is a that would be a little conversation they would have. Yep, yep. Felt like the characters talking about it, mm-hmm. not a joke about its place in in pop culture history. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Uh, all right. Any other thoughts on uh, original trilogy stuff, or shall we move on? No, you go on. There's a lot more. There's so much more. So uh, there was a real uh, uh, collection of uh, references, uh, timeline, <laughs> respect uh, to other books, comics, and video games in particular, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there, there was a, and it really attempted to kind of answer where this fits in the timeline with Shattered Empire, that, that comic that's in the same space, right? Of, yeah. uh, Luke Han and Leia all, all have stuff to, to deal with. Um, 
There's the appearance of Poe's parents, uh, Kes Dameron and, and Shara Bay. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the uh, revelation that uh, Shara Bay is Green One after the death of Arvel Crinite. Yeah. And Han reflecting on his relationship with both of them, which is both movies and comics. Um, the the Imperial baddie who ends up showing up, Alicia Beck, is from that uh, Journey to Force Awakens book, Smuggler's Run. It's also been adapted into a comic book. And mm-hmm. uh, Shara Bay actually impersonates Alicia Beck in right. uh, one issue of the Shattered Empire comic. Uh, Leia, of course, talks about meeting Kira in, yeah, it's page 208 that is the summary of everything that she's gone through in the comic books <laughs> recently. Uh, Operation yeah. Yellow Moon is referenced, which is from the Journey to Force Awakens Leia book, Moving Target. Um, mm-hmm. Lots of uh, uh, references, and in, in, references isn't the right word, uh, lots of uh, storytelling and character building coming from everything we learned about uh, Alderanian culture and, and Leia's life. Uh, from Leia, Princess of Alderaan, the the Rindan sword symbolizing mm-hmm. the freedom to choose your fate. Uh, Leia, Leia feeling that at her wedding, the ritual of the day of demand. Uh, her mother Brea's uh, accident and and needing right. uh, the pulmonodes uh, to replace her heart and lungs. Um, Leia dances and comforts uh, Thane Kyrell. Yeah. <laughs> from Lost Stars at her own wedding reception, still comforting other people. Yeah. Uh, we uh, we get some shout outs to the Halcyon being owned by uh, Anzellans and being made by the Anzellan, uh, same as Babu Frick, uh, Shug Drabor, who we recently met and spent a decent amount of time with yeah. in the High Republic novel Midnight Horizon. Yeah, we did. Uh, we get uh, Chandrilla, uh, th- a lot of discussions. We see it briefly about discussions of what it looks like. Beautiful planet, rolling hills, dome trees, orange flags, honoring rebel pilots. And, and a lot of that felt like honoring aftermath where, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that's where the capital is right at the time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Is all of this for you, is this fulfilling this promise of interconnected storytelling, uh, of valuing the books and the comics and the video games and saying they're they're sort of narratively just as important as the movies? Is that the overall effect for you? Or was there anything that felt like a checklist? No, I I think it does work for me. I don't think we'll ever make people content overall. There's going to be some folks who uh, you know, want more. Uh, and I think this is the, where you have that, uh, we, Hey, we were told in 2014 that all, it all matters, right. That comes up a lot. And and they did say that Kathleen Kennedy did say something like that. Um, mm-hmm. But what was actually said is the question I have, what did you hear? What did you want to hear? And uh, I, I, there are so many connections that sometimes I just have to sit back and wait to connect all the dots. Uh, you pulled up a, a great one. I forgot that Cher uh, Bay uh, impersonates her in, in the comic. Um, mm-hmm. Forgot that. That's a great connection. I I never read Smuggler's Run, so I just kind of I did the thing where I went, okay, it's been something I haven't. That's something I haven't. Read. <laughs> um, but that, but what the, all that means is it doesn't. It it's not connected in that way. That um, not that you just not just simply you have to read it all or play it all or, or experience it all, but just it's not weighed down by any of that. Every story mm-hmm. can do what it needs to do. And then the stuff is there for you if you, if you want it. And that's just the way I love to engage with it there. Um, it's not a clue about what's coming. It's not a, you know, this this means that over here. So I get your predictions ready. Uh, that's fun to a certain degree. But this this is handled the best. And this this book particularly is one of my favorites. And just a, it was a roll call. It is kind of a, um, you know, can read like that. If it, But it, again, she Beth Revis elevates it. It elevates to, mm-hmm. to, to really artful um, storytelling. So it all, it all builds out the galaxy for me. 
Yeah, I think it can have that sort of direct, like, oh, I didn't read Smuggler's Run. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'm really intrigued by Han's relationship with this uh, Alicia Beck Imperial from the mm-hmm. ISB. So I'll go read that. It can definitely have that. It definitely made me feel like, yeah, no, I know I've been reading, <laughs> meaning to get caught yeah. up on uh, the War of the Bounty Hunters. I want to see all that Kira storytelling. I've been, you know, it, it definitely worked on that level of, and remember, kids, you know, editor's note from Stan Lee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. in this comic book, kid. Um, there's definitely that element there, but again, with the writing, it was stuff that makes the character's journey uh, more rich and more true, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Leia thinking about her parents during her wedding, right? She would yeah. think about Bale and, and Brea and what might have been if she would have supposed would have had the regal wedding she was supposed to, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, the thing with Alicia Beck, like that, that's uh fun because it's an imperial that some of us know but like there's some depth to that 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 story in smuggler's run is like the first mission that leia gives han Mm -hmm. like oh you're gonna stick around then you're doing things for us yeah yeah (laughs) you know so it's got some actual emotional uh resonance and i think that's the thing for me is like all of these things that that could just look like a uh hey check this other story out have some emotional uh, resonance to me and that's why i want canon is to make these characters in this world feel more fleshed out more real you know it's yeah. not to me about like i need to know this the exact date this happened and if anything ever disagrees with it i'm going to be mad that's yeah. not the canon i'm for i'm for the canon that makes the characters in the world feel more rich and real and lived in yeah it, well, like i said the, the connection to, to to beck is is um yeah, it's, it's not, it doesn't make the story better or, for, or or worse for me when I just go, oh, the one-eyed imperial lady is here. It, it doesn't that doesn't matter. It's their relationship, the, how it's referenced, how it's used, how how it affects those in the story. And uh, simple storytelling, I, I guess we're just explaining it. But um, I think she just she just really succeeds. And and to be clear, like Mike Chen and Adam Christopher, the last kind of big writers out. We haven't read the Padawan book yet, you and I. And I think there's some more mm-hmm. in there. Um, Wonderful stuff. Like when Beaumont Ken shows up in Shadow of Sith, I was a big smile yeah. on my face. Oh my God, I yeah. love that. Great use of it. Um, so uh, there's good, it just needs to be done with purpose. But again, it's beyond just the connections. Again, you know, the, the fact that the, the college mentioned is the one that Afra studied at. Mm. I know that because I'm just currently, you know, reading the comics again. So it's in my head. But if I didn't know that, it really wouldn't matter. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, obviously, I missed that uh, mm. literally uh, because I'm not caught up on the Afro comics. Uh, but I didn't yeah. miss it. It didn't. <laughs> yeah, it didn't make yeah. the story lesser. Yeah, it's and kind of should be. Yeah, and I think like a, a powerful thing to me is like Operation Cinder isn't in this list, but it kind of should be because Leia keeps wondering about mm-hmm. like what is the Imperial up to, and gets mm-hmm. starts getting the sense that oh, even in death, he had some plan yeah. on his sleeve to be spiteful i wonder what that's about i wonder how big of a problem that's going to be and you want to like lay it's operation cinder well yeah there's a couple <laughs> here are the problems it's going to cause for you you know so it's, yeah. it's even that sort of richness of like she's worrying about something that she doesn't know the truth of yet so the words operation cinder aren't used but they're all over this book yeah and i thought it was that's a great i love you said that example because it hangs over it and it hangs over the way it's exciting to me uh, where is it a checklist? Even the idea of like, well, why would Beck, okay, why did Beck do that? She escaped. She wouldn't, couldn't have made the decision on her own. Ooh, someone else is running it. And you want to yell, Gallius Rex, Ray Sloan. And because <laughs> it's not just, it, 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 it's still open, uh, you know, for the characters. I, I love they pointed that out. That was a great use, non-use almost of some of those things. Yeah, yeah, they're felt in their absence. Uh, and then there are plenty of other shows and movies other than the original trilogy, the sequels, Rogue One, uh, all, all that stuff, uh, Kenobi. So some uh, some connections to other shows and movies. Um, the I love 
seeing what the Skywalker twins kind of know about their prequel era, that Luke says he knows Jedi used to train from a young age, mm. that Leia is offering Luke that, hey, I build the government, and then you build the Jedi, and we could be still be together because they were paired <laughs> in the old days. Yeah. That one's so beautiful. Uh, Lola, the droid being listed yeah. in Leia's painful Alderaan memories was, was great. Um, yeah. Just a little thing. Like, I love when Han says Carabas because you know Han uses every swear word uh, in, in the galaxy, but that one, you know, came to us mostly uh, from Zeb from Rebels, right? Yeah. Um, the big one of, uh, of Keylad, uh, the, the person who uh, Han almost put out the airlock, mm. uh, designing a thermal oscillator to hold together mm. Madurs. And, you know, that, that to me, it makes that not just some, like, techno babble of a thing they can blow up in the force awakens now mm. there's this you know connection between the technology there's han's understanding of it um, yeah yeah uh there's leia's uh double blue ring from the sequel trilogy being clarified that han bought that for her that's yeah. her wedding ring um there's a mention of uh the uh ashgad prize being given to galener so mm. uh there's a super deep clone wars cut that a random person has a ming po hairstyle and the ming po are in one episode mm. of the clone wars yeah uh so did any of these uh really grab you yeah the the two big uh, ones for me with the star killer base connection uh it was fun and how ominous it was uh, mm-hmm. I love also the, the connecting it to Han. It also made me sad. Like, like the Han's hearing words that are going to be uh, really tied to his death, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it kind of made me sad. Uh, but I, I do like it. It just kind of speaks to kind of uh, the nature of the galaxy. And and, and we've seen a lot. And, 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 and Keldad himself being like, oh, they almost bought it. Well, who almost bought it? What were they going to use it for? But I think of Sabine Wren and just like the tech thing I created was used against my people. There's these great tragedies in a lot of this stuff there and, and shows the um, razor's edge. The galaxy is on sometimes. So I really like that. It worked for me. And that the wedding ring was poignant, uh, provided, mm-hmm. provided new contacts, right. In an emotional way. And, and I love when you can do that. Uh, I think that's a, a benefit to the overall story. Yeah. It's so great of like Leia being afraid that he was going to notice that her ring was gone. He's mm-hmm. like, well, I didn't, but I noticed you were sad. And then I figured <laughs> out why. And then I bought you this ring and like on with the actual <laughs> good taste and the double uh, stones representing them. Oh yeah. yeah. The wedding ring was a huge win to me. Cause I, I was wondering that during the book of like, is that ring going to come into it? Yeah. Um, Luke and Leia's prequel talks, you know, anything kind of getting into them both going like, okay, well, well we're sort of end up representing the reconstruction of the of the past how much should we do it like it was done back in the day mm-hmm. or not love that yeah mm-hmm. and the thermal oscillator was just huge right because it, it it's tied to to the character of, of Keylad, right going yeah. back to what you're saying at the top of our podcast about you know uh both sides right somebody like Keylad who who sort of uh just separates himself from responsibility and it's just mm-hmm. selfish it's just about it's my technology and whoever uses it for whatever is fine as long as i get paid right yeah yeah um and to see it being used in this beautiful way so this wonderful planet uh, this wonderful yeah. culture can continue and then knowing it's being used on ilum to mm-hmm. violate that planet and hold it together as a weapon right yeah that that has resonance and then also the idea that that in the force awakens it'll be fun to watch again and han's like yeah no i don't don't understand how it works but i I know about them thermal oscillators yeah 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 (laughs) Yeah, i I seen one in action (laughs) yeah 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 it's 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 poignant and fun all at the same time yeah so my final canon question for you is did did you feel the specter of of ben solo uh, his birth his fall in in your mind at all in this book was that was was ben solo a presence for you 
yes and no. Not as much. Uh, I think just the overall, uh, you know, the, the the path of their relationship and some of the successes, joys, and tragedies that are forthcoming. I I think hang, uh, hung over all of it. But there's the moment Han and 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 you know, uh, wondering about children. I think the, the, the thing about it is, cause it, you, I did think about it at times. Um, it's the idea that the future is wide open in many different directions and, and mm-hmm. it's still about choices and still about, uh, there is never a final victory point. Right. And, and, and we deal with that with this story that you walks dance, but it's not over. Uh, and it's, uh, might be over on screen in 1983, but it, it still goes on if you're pulled into that world and it goes on in our own lives. And uh, a lot of that just in their relationship, their love and how it's built and some of the stuff we talked about earlier. So I did think about that a little bit, but it didn't hang over it for me um, a ton. Yeah, it didn't hang over it for me in a negative way yeah, uh, yeah. at all. And I realized I, I probably uh, sound negative the way I phrased that question. Mm-hmm. Um, I really love the passage where Han just kind of freezes in place on Chandrilla looking at kids playing and going like, I never even thought about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but is that possible? Is that something that I want? Is that something that she wants? And I think, so that made me think of Ben Solo. I think Leia wrestling with uh, her past and mm-hmm. the fear that, that uh, the galaxy would find out about Vader, obviously, you know, connects to everything that happens, but also it just, it, the, this kind of overall theme of like, yep, building the security for long-term joy matters, but also each moment in our life matters and finding joy in a moment matters. And I think for me, that's that's why I enjoy the the sequel trilogy of like, yep, some bad times come to our heroes, but that's not the one and only definition of them. There's yeah. all this storytelling in between that are that are absolutely moments of joy and connection and victory. And I think I thought more about that. Mm. Yeah. No. Well said. Uh, all right. Any moments we particularly enjoyed this uh this was one of those ones where it's like i had to make the decision to just read the book instead of writing down notes yeah from every page uh because there are so many impactful moments uh big thematic moments but just so many details fun things that i loved uh so what are a few that you loved i i loved uh there's a couple moments with han that i love where he's kind of one up in the captain <laughs> early on uh, a lot of it's to try to you know get them to divert the ship but there's a little and then leia just kind of having that like yeah, yeah we get it we get it you're, you're both really cool we get it Han. i, I just let's ring truth to the character to the character of han Solo. but then the flip side of that is uh, once the action does does break out right we got a kind of a classic third act star wars uh, we're gonna go do something important and big a lot of little moments in there of him uh and, and leia um in action but when he gets up there and fires that cannon a little later on. She's like, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but did you, uh, you probably enjoyed firing that cannon on that ship. Oh God. Yeah, I did. I just <laughs> really love, uh, really got Han. She really got Han. She got led. She got all the characters, but as uh, growing up Han, man, it th- th- really worked for me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, do, do you have some more? Uh, overall great. I, I gotta tell you, I, I, I did, I did what you did too. Uh, this time I took a little, not just I took less notes, but I just really, this this story picked up for me, the speed picked up, and I just really sat back and enjoyed it all. And it's the interplay, it's it's the love, it's the banter, everything you come to, to love about Han and Leia and that generations of fans grew up with, it's really represented on the pages so, so well. Um, mm-hmm. Han playing Sabacc and sneaking back to play it. I love the Pronto Ronto Ugnot. Like, I'm going to say Pronto oh, yeah. Ronto to my dogs. Uh, you know, a lot, uh, and probably humans too. So overall, I, I, yeah, I, I, I don't have specific moments. I just really had a big smile on my face all through this. Really. Loved yeah. It. 
Oh, I, I meant to write down Pronto Ronto from Wosak Grimkin. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love that, we have, so Yeah, fun. now we have, we have I Have Spoken, and we have Pronto Ronto. Pronto Ronto. <laughs> I don't think Queel would have a lot of patience for no. Pronto Ronto as a, no. as a catchphrase. I think he'd be real annoyed by that one. <laughs> I know um, Rontos. They are not Pronto. <laughs> I Have Spoken. Pronto Ronto. Um, yeah, there's... I love the whole book, but I I might someday just reread the first hundred pages because mm-hmm. just all the details, all the fun on Endor. Uh, I love all the quality time we get with with Han and Leia in there. The focus, but it's great to have the time with uh, Luke and Lando and and the fun. There, there's that uh, thing on page fifteen. I think it's Leia who's talking about the the low railings on the trees and saying more than one pilot drunk on the jet juice in the celebrations after the destruction yeah. <laughs> fell victim <laughs> to the railing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah. Maybe worry about um, wedge. Oh yeah, yeah. The entire bachelor party chapter, in particular, was just like every mm-hmm. detail is spot perfect. Uh, Lando somehow having a nice wine glass from somewhere, and nobody knows how or why. Yeah, um, yeah. The Ewoks angry that they weren't invited. Han sneaking suspicion. They're like they can handle a lot of alcohol. Three uh, PO being you know pissed about hearing the wedding. Uh, second hand is just so it's protocol droid and sort of like hurt feelings at the same time yeah. just every detail in there is great um in the actual wedding is is beautiful uh with the the great tree with luke officiating but uh Logre kind of trying to take over mm-hmm. you know luke says you know so many great sort of resonant things about leia being a symbol of hope you know Mm-hmm. Uh, Leia feeling the presence of Bale and Brea and the Rindon sword. Like there's all these just oh, yeah, great moving deep moments. Um, yeah. So could go on and on. Uh, there are two Han moments that just really cracked me up that I wanted to be sure to share on uh, page 204. Uh, Han had stayed in worse places than a piece of modern art made of ice, but he was still dubious about the situation. <laughs> 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 so grumpy and for perhaps my favorite passage from this entire book uh, on page 180 uh when he's he's really upset about doesn't even know where leia is what she's doing and wants to spend time with her and grumble 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 uh, but he likes those pies and he goes to get more pies mm. Mm. uh and I, and I believe it's keevan who's asking him if he's upset and he's like i'm not upset i just want pie <laughs> oh, relatable hon. right yes. ken oh i am you hon i am you yep I'm not upset. I just want pie. That is definitely going to be a quote that lives with me. All right. We could list so many other moments, uh, but we're going to head toward wrapping up. I'm curious uh, about the future of these characters, this story. That's something we always talk about when we read Mm -hmm. books. Sometimes with the High Republic, it's uh, wide open. Uh, But I wanted to ask you, I had a really strong uh, experience reading this book, that this book made me want to immediately pick up uh, the sequel, uh, where Beth Revis writes about Luke training Leia as like a companion book. This is about Han and Leia's relationship. Now let's have a Leia and Luke relationship book about that journey. Did did you think about that? Did you feel that as you read this one? The big giant sure for me. You got go book. Um, I thought <laughs> I could listen in one of my moments I particularly enjoy, but her, uh, Beth Revis's description of Leia kind of coming to the understanding with the force um, mm-hmm. was really great force writing, right? And sometimes the force, uh, it confuses me. You know, like, what is it? Well, how do we use it right? And there's Jedi use it this way. And, you know, and I get the basics of it, obviously. But just, it just was a real simple, direct under, understanding of it and of it for Leia. Uh, so, yeah, I'm all, all on board for that idea. 
Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we get these great broad strokes in, in Rise of Skywalker, mm-hmm. but to really be in Leia's head and know that she's like, well, okay, if, if I go here and train, I have to give it my entire uh, yeah. conviction, right? Um, and we, we know the the great sort of mythic plot point from Rise of Skywalker of sensing uh, danger to her son at the end of her journey. But we also know the the storytelling that's then supported lots of places, but like, mm-hmm. but she really feels like her destiny is building the government, being a senator, an ambassador, a politician, um, and how she makes those choices and what she learns about Luke and getting into Luke's head about does mm-hmm. he, is he excited? Does he feel like he's really fulfilling, uh, you know, the quest that Yoda get, gave him, you know? Right. There's so much rich stuff, and Beth Revis is so good at getting into the character's head that, man, do I want that book. Yeah, no, because, uh, yeah, the, 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 the Rise of Skywalker is kind of the big theatrical myth version, uh, which I love, and then the blood, Bloodline, a lot of stuff you mentioned is a little bit more nuts and bolts, because I, I, for one, think... Um, this book touches upon that balance that we you know, we we talked about the, the unifying all the different parts of her Han having to understand and, and love all the different parts of her. Uh, it, it, to me, uh, if she had just run off to become just a Jedi, which is you know that's a that's a big task, that's a big title. I it would have been a loss for the galaxy. Is my take on it. It would have mm-hmm. been a loss. It wouldn't have been a. We wouldn't have got complete Leia uh, as that. So Beth Revis does a great job. Um, I think she does a great job uh, writing about those situations and characters. You know, in which you know the galaxy pulls us and the characters in multiple directions. And how do you deal with that? I wanted to write here. I wanted to write uh, Kira right after Han and Chewie fly away because <laughs> there's you now we got a lot of comic writing with Kira and everything. And I definitely want Amelia Clark in the role at some point again. But the you know the ship flies away. Kira's like, okay, great. Now what do I do? <laughs> and I got Maul. Uh, and then uh, Mon Mothma as the Empire rises. And we're going to get a lot of great Mothma content. Mm. And then I'm thinking, what if she just writes like a stage play? It's, it's Mothma <laughs> and Saw and their dinner. And it's just them talking. Like, I bet she could nail that kind of storytelling. Oh, man, that would be great. Yeah, those are one of the other moments I loved when uh, Mothma and Leia are having the political discussion. And then Mothma's just like, you're going to marry that rogue. <laughs> yeah yeah it's so so yeah. perfect uh absolutely love it uh yeah um i i think uh for me it, it's just um this book's i didn't expect that in this book all of leia's wrestling with the force and it was one of my favorite parts and it made so much sense and i loved how much was said about luke about both han and leia kind of seeing like he's really changed he's he's still the yeah. kid we know but he's he's on this different path and and what is that like so yeah anyway uh we'll go on and on about that when that book or some version of that storytelling comes out is there any other han and leia storytelling that you're particularly excited for when when we see them at the beginning of this journey we have the end of the journey we have a little bit of a a later point with with bloodline there's some great stuff there about how they've uh, balanced their marriage and their careers and and even eating habits um (laughs) with han liking spicy takeout and spilling it on his shirt is one of the details i always remember for bloodline but there's anywhere else on their married timeline that you want to spend time i honestly it seems weird but more about their their falling out around the the ben stuff and a little Mm. bit of what we see in force awakens the conversations there and and it was snoke all those things and um that's meaty stuff that's meaty stuff and and um you know, it, it's sad, but like it's sad to say, you know, you got Beth Revis uh, gets them at the beginning here. Um, I, I would love to see that kind of storytelling too. Just to understand mm. it. Just understand it. Mm, yeah, no, I, I definitely understand that. And there's a lot of rich and interesting storytelling to be had there of like, uh, they mm. know who exactly who Snoke is. Uh, Luke yeah. is clear on that Snoke already turned Kylo's heart. There's a lot mm. of fun storytelling to be had there. 
I, I think for me, I think I am kind of obsessed with this, like just because there's some tragedy, uh, some major tragedy doesn't mean that there aren't fun and intriguing moments. Mm-hmm. And I would love an early adventure with young Ben. I mean, they, they're kind of playing with it in a, a canon adjacent uh, at best Lego, you know, summer adventure where they're going on a family trip with Ben. And obviously the Lego stories are, are jokey and, and fun, mm-hmm. but I would love an actual like in canon that like, uh, Leia and Han and Ben, uh, when Ben's like nine years old or something, like kind of on the cusp of being a, you know, mm-hmm, a, a, mm-hmm. you know, totally his own person, nine years old, but still a child who needs their protection and being able to kind of celebrate the closeness and the fun and the strain of that yeah. <laughs> weird family. I would love just like an adventure. It doesn't have to be earth shattering, just a fun, interesting thing that happens to this, you know, yeah. uh, weird beloved space family. Yeah. Mm, there's a lot. A lot of potential out there. All right, Ken, here's my last question for you. Uh, Tempting to be fun to wrap up. We'll see if it's actually fun. Uh, What would you be tempted to do on your honeymoon that might pull you away from your partner? All you can eat breakfast bar. (laughs) Food. Uh, When we're in Vegas, we love hitting the video blackjack together. That's not a problem. But uh, I'm usually uh, go down to the lobby, get the coffee, uh, guy. So if I, there's a, there's a nice breakfast, I might, you know, get caught up and have to come back up later, you know? Yeah. Get yeah. More pie. Mm, yeah. You're not upset. You just want pie. Just want Understandable. Pie. Yeah. I mean, my wife is, is very supportive of, of who I am. Uh, she helped me make a comedy video on our actual honeymoon. Hmm. Um, so, so she is very understanding. A thing that, that happened for a while there is, uh, we were only traveling, if I had a performance and that often meant that we couldn't fully enjoy the, mm. the place we were in mm-hmm. uh, because I would be like, yeah, I know it's beautiful and there's all these things to do, but I need to pace in the hotel room and memorize my show. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that would be the thing is like, if we set up a honeymoon and it's like, and I set up a show too, that would be, that would be the danger where I need to be a better husband. Or not. <laughs> I feel you on that. Uh, the only trips I've had recently are, are related to work, which I love, right? And you have to just remind yourself. So uh, I, yep. this, this book had some uh, real-world ramifications. Some very real-world ramifications. Uh, I mean, it, it's a huge uh, part of the plot of the book, and but we haven't even spent some time on it. Just so great that Leia's like, I know I'm on a cruise uh, to enjoy my honeymoon and to be the diplomatic face uh, yeah. of this cruise to show that it's all safe, it's all fun, it's great, it's out of the hands of the Empire, and also, could I divert you <laughs> yeah yeah is so so great mm-hmm. all right uh this is once again been a longer review because a lot of great ideas in this book that i personally think is great uh ken do you have any final thoughts uh just a lot of fun man it, it, you know I, I can't imagine anyone's listened to this to our review and you know before they've taken in the book so if you've gone this far you probably went on this journey with us uh tell your friends tell your friends who are like i don't want to read a commercial maybe they still will feel that at the end of it but i really really believe this is a wonderful book that deserves the attention of Star Wars fans of any generation, but particularly those who grew up with Han and Leia. And I got to say, Beth Revis is one of my favorite Star Wars writers, and I hope she gets another shot. Yep, uh, I completely agree, and I, I think it is always great to be aware of subjectivity. And I think even if somebody picked up this book and felt like some of the Halcyon stuff uh, felt a little uh, commercially, even if you feel that way, there's so much else in this book that's rich and deep. 
and just surface level fun like mm-hmm. Star Wars should be. And I think if somebody did read this book uh, and listen to this review and loved all of it uh, and you haven't read Rebel Rising, man, read Rebel Rising. Particularly, you know, when we're heading into a Rogue One and or celebration time, I really hope a lot more people check out uh, Rebel Rising because uh, mm-hmm. these are two of my favorite Star Wars books, uh, both by the great Beth Revis. All right. With that, Ken, where can people find us? Hey, we are the Four Center Podcast. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Four Center Pod. We're on Instagram and YouTube as well. Facebook page is Four Center Podcast. You can find us on Acast, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and more merch is available at tpublic.com slash user slash Four Center. Patreon.com slash Four Center is where you can support us directly. You can go to Ken Napsock on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok still. I got to get a video up. It's been a bit. I apologize. Or go to my website at catnapsack.com for more information. Uh, Just where can they go for you? Never apologize for not TikToking. <laughs> you do it at your pace, Ken. There you go. You, you control your life, not the algorithm. <laughs> Thank you, Mon Mothma. Thank you. <laughs> You're going to do TikToks with that rogue? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's mm-hmm. what Mon Mothma would say to, to Leia's social media presence. Actually, she'd love Leia to have a social media presence, wouldn't she? Yes. Anyway, uh, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok is at Joseph Scrimshaw, and you can check out my website at josephscrimshaw.com for all of my other comedy adventures uh, for now. Now, for myself, for Ken, for the Ugnot that says Pronto Ronto, this has been First. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.